It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally near And I will see my dreams come alive at last I will touch the sky And they're not gonna hold me down no more No, they're not gonna change my mind Cause I've got faith of the heart I'm going where my heart will take me I've got faith to believe I can do anything I've got strength of the soul and no one's gonna bend or break me I can't reach any star I've got faith I've got faith Faith of the heart <laughs> Space The final frontier these are the voyages of the starship Adequate. Our ongoing mission until we are cancelled and replaced by something far superior. To review every episode of Star Trek and every movie of Star Trek in existence. To seek out new guests and make them incredibly uncomfortable. To boldly go where very many other Star Trek bit YouTube shows have gone before. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, ladies, gentlemen, treks and trekkers all over this fine planet. Welcome to another episode of Trekking Up North. I am your host, Captain Goodwill. And joining me, as ever, is the delectable Geesian from the planet Hong Kong. <laughs> Science Officer Sunoise. And this week we have an incredibly uncomfortable guest. <laughs> He is, he is a YouTuber, he is a Twitcher, but more importantly than that, he's from Middlesbrough. Give it up for James Moorhead. Hello, James! Hello. How do I follow up that? You know, how... and it's downhill from here, isn't it? I it, think you deny you're from Middlesbrough. That's where you start. Again. Well, yeah. I mean, technically, I'm from just outside of Middlesbrough, so, you know... <laughs> Oh, we're all just outside. the blast radius. Yeah, we're, we're all just outside of Middlesbrough. We we don't drink yeah. the water. Um, <laughs> however, judging judging from the people in red car or dead car, as I like to call it, I think the water's reaching here. <laughs> How are you this week, James? I'm doing well. I'm very sweaty in this uniform. God knows how they managed to run around all that much on these hot planets and stuff. But uh, yeah, good. Been a busy week. Been a fun week. Oh, she's moist. She's moist already, and we've barely started. Good. <laughs> For those playing the home game, James <laughs> has a channel called JL. Is it JL? Uh, it's JL Saw You. JL Saw You. Sorry, my dyslexic yes. ass just went. Oh! <laughs> He's a YouTuber and a Twitch streamer. He has just recently released a video where he reviews the PS2 classic, The Getaway. Which yeah. for me, hands down, was one of the best games of the PlayStation 2, purely because of the amount of licenses in it. Because I've never known a game in my life where you could shoot someone in the face outside of a next. <laughs> it was... I mean, we've always dreamed journey. of that. We've always dreamed yeah. of it. And this this allowed yeah. us to fulfill... <laughs> I... You paid how much for those jeans? 
And uh, <laughs> I just love the idea of garroting outside of Woolworths. Woolworths, you know, that's like the. But enough the, about the noises weekend. <laughs> Running someone down outside of Dixon's. <laughs> and Dixon's. I said, what about garroting at Dixon's? Dixon's. <laughs> Speaking of Dixon's, hello to Lee no, in the chat. Garroting at B and Q. pegging at B and M. How are you this week, Sonoys? <laughs> <laughs> I am good. I'm in a very silly mood, as are you, you can probably tell. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I just <laughs> found a peg on my actual desk. <laughs> <laughs> if you're pegging with that good, well, you're not even trying. I mean, you know, like some of us can't sit on uh, traffic cones easily. Much like starting uh, a business, you start off small. So, how are you this week, Sonoys? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's yeah, it's getting to my busy period, which is a bit scary, but it's it's been quite fun. Like I've had a lot of actual time for other things, which was quite fun this week so it's like the eye before the storm or the no the the calm before the storm i think at the minute which is quite good oh that that perfect it's i i sum up that way that happens at work like getting up on a morning it's peaceful there is not a care in the world and then hmm. your consciousness comes in and goes you've got debt <laughs> and that's surprise a- it's that <laughs> surprise council tax uh, <laughs> you know, well, one thing that one thing that I have really uh, enjoyed this week is obviously yesterday we tuned in for Gig- Gigs Up North, which is the new show that we've got. Which uh, from General, uh, General Kirky, General Kirky, nearly said her real name. Uh, oh, General Kirky is heading up there. It's false <laughs> around it, fuck's sake. Um, but yeah, and it, and I just love that. Like I've been chatting to Adam a lot. Like the our wonderful fifty foot tall goth Viking. No, uh, why is she shrank? He's 189.62 foot. It's because he. It's because he's finished. Is it? Is um, it? Is it? Is it cold? Yeah, it's cold. Right, it, okay, he's right. slightly, slightly shriveled. shriveled. But okay. I, I just love how good he is with music because, like, we're, I was chatting to him last week, and he's like, "Okay, uh, Kirky said that she wants like a synthwave kind of track, and I've never really tried synthwave before, so I've listened to some of it, and I'm gonna have a go." And then just sends me this like this play around where he's like oh here's a synthwave track and it's amazing it literally sounds like ludicrously good I... and he's like oh i'm just gonna improvise like a one minute guitar solo over it <laughs> and he's just sitting there and he's like is it any good and you're like could you could you could you possibly be less talented maybe <laughs> just you know, dial it back a little yeah for the sake of the rest of the universe i, I saw james <laughs> i i uh, i i saw adam is very much like Bill Bailey, where they've got this rare condition where it's it's called perfect pitch. Vikingism. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's, it's called perfect that. pitch, yeah. where they can literally pick up any musical instrument and master it. Mm. I think Adam's got a very, very deep calling because I remember when he was like, oh, I loved Mass Effect, and we're going to review Mass Effect on uh, Gaming Up North's Ramblecast. Oh, I might do a theme tune. And then, like, Half a day later, he was like, I've done it. And it's like the greatest cover I have ever... And then he did Assassin's Creed, and I'm like, save some fucking talent for the rest of the crew, please, if that's okay. Some of us have to struggle. You know, some of yeah. us can't do bar chords. I, I, I just love it. I just, I just Some of us like try and produce a fucking Star it. Trek show, and we can't do that competently. And he's just like, <laughs> I've mastered Synthwave. Oh, God. I, I just love it where it's literally him like, oh, uh, it, it feels like a sort of weird sci-fi countdown of sort of like, you know, uh, Adam discovers Synthwave. 
two seconds later, Adam masters Synthwave. Three, total assimilation, like total destruction of humanity. He's, he's very much like <laughs> Iron Man in the first Avengers movie, where he's like, how did you learn nuclear physics? Oh, I did it last night. That's just Adam. <laughs> he's the Iron Man of, of the group. <laughs> I just love it though like and obviously you got to hear some of his lovely music and the wonderful voyager theme cover that we have at the beginning of every episode i will i will say treks and trekkers out there i am going to get him to do another star trek theme can you guess what it's going to be uh oh is it gonna be uh mm, mm, it's a tricky one uh is there any, somebody any incidental music today from, or yeah, yeah is there incidental music thing. from um first contact <laughs> it's gonna be the fight music from tos <laughs> <laughs> is it, oh, oh is it, oh, it, it, is it's it the one from uh, uh what is it hop along home yes is it the rhyme from that but it, yeah yeah is, is it gonna be a cover of, of um ubi dooby from first contact oh roy orbison do the players on the uh jukebox yeah Hey baby, <laughs> jump over here when you do the ooby dooby. I, I was just trying to think of anything vaguely obscure. Yeah, the, the, when it's quite obvious what it's going to be, but go on for the sake of the deaf people listening. Oh yes, because we we do an audio podcast as well, don't we? <laughs> mm. <laughs> you don't get to see the 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 bookcase of maldestitution. Uh, it's going to be Star Trek Enterprise. It's going to be Faith of a Heart. We are we are going to do Rod Stewart and Russell Watson proud. Um, so when I, when I get some uh, when I get some pennies, lovely Adam is going to get uh, bought off, and I'm going to say, you know that theme tune that 99% of Trekkies hate. <laughs> Guess what? Uh, <laughs> but as we have alluded to all the way through this, and as you can see on our stunning reel, which has synced up every alien race in the same position for some strange demonic reason, because I never line them up that way, we are here to review. Finally, after 51 weeks of trekking up north, a Star Trek Enterprise episode. Now, before we get to what I think of Star Trek Enterprise, I want to approach you two. So, as you are a very special guest, James, mm -hmm. James... How did you get into Star Trek Enterprise? What do you think of Star Trek Enterprise? Right. So, Enterprise. So, I, I remember when Enterprise came out. Mm. I remember it was sort of in the wake of uh, Nemesis and that. A little yeah. bit, I guess. Star Trek was going into a bit of a down period. Mm. So, admittedly, I've only seen the first two seasons of Enterprise. Mm. I actually dropped <laughs> it. Um I kind of dropped it because I didn't have Sky in my room at the time when it was airing. And mm. for one reason or another, just a college, university, that sort of thing. Mm. I just never kept up with Enterprise. So I did like it. And I remember at the time it came out, I got a bit of a negative reception. But I actually liked what I saw of it. I didn't have a problem with it. And I know, you know, you mentioned it before, the theme song. So I'm just going to tackle that one straight away. I actually, I like the theme. Yes. I really like the yes! theme. Yes. Um, I was brought up, we were chatting about this beforehand, but I was brought up with, like, you know, theatrical rock with the likes of Meatloaf and later Genesis and Phil Collins. So, you know, cheesy, power ballady type rock. So when it came, I was like, oh, I actually quite like this. It's different. I can understand why people don't. Maybe you're expecting that orchestral thing mm -hmm. again, but I liked it because it was different. And I also think, as cheesy as it is, it really fits what was happening during the intro like sequence and such but yeah enterprise 
I I like what I have seen of it. Uh, I do need to actually watch the rest of it. I think uh, it was very interesting for me, and I suppose we will talk about it as we go on, to revisit an episode from it and spend time with those characters and that that little slice of Starfleet, of humanity again. Love mm. that. That is an absolutely <laughs> amazing explanation. So noise. It's all right, yeah. <laughs> I was going to do that. I was going to do that, actually. But I, thought I think be, whoever uh... went second would have to, well, would be obliged to do that kind fa- of reaction. Famously, we know on Trekking Up North that Science Officer Sonoy <clears throat> dropped off Enterprise at season four when, for a lot of people, it got incredibly good because Manny Koto, the late, great Manny Koto, was brought in. Who's Manny Koto? He was the showrunner for season four right. of Enterprise. He sadly passed away last year. Yeah. Um, but he was brought in to rejuvenate Star Trek Enterprise because we'd we'd had a season three where it was a season long arc. Mm. So it was it was very new for for, for a Star Trek to do this. Um, a lot of shows back then actually. Yeah. I can't and, remember anything else that really did that. And DS9 alluded to an arc, but Enterprise mm. was sort of like, we're going to do this. And at the end, they brought in Manny Koto to rejuvenate it and take and like Star Trek Enterprise to the back to the core of Star Trek and what it was about. Um, mm. How did you get into what? Enterprise to begin with? Uh, me or? Uh, so nice. Well, I, I haven't answered the actual yeah. question yet. Answer it, uh, you bitch. Yes. Well, no, it, the thing is, for me, Discovery is a bit difficult because it's like, yeah, it's it's very hit discovery. And miss, the whole thing. Uh, sorry, no, um, Enterprise. <laughs> no, let's not go to Discovery. That is more than hit and miss. That is. <sighs> but uh, no, but Enterprise is like Enterprise is a difficult one for me because there's loads of stuff I love about it, but then I'm at the polar opposite of most fans of it, where I'm much. For, season one is the pinnacle of Enterprise, mm. and season two's good, and then three and four are just, yeah, I can't do it. Like. I think season four, where they just go, hey, you know what's really fun? Vulcans. Let's just have loads of, like, emotionless Vulcans in every episode. And you're sitting there being like, this dynamic doesn't work. Like, it only, you know, like, the bits where it's on the planet and, like, you know, and it's literally just a desert and it's just Archer's the only person with a personality there. And it's, it gets very difficult it's, for me. Is that, is that where but, you uh, dropped off? Yeah, I think I think it was like a lack of interest because season three was difficult because season three where they go into this big arc where they've got this race that we've never heard of before who mm-hmm. we never will never hear from again, the Zindi. And all of it is just a bit unbelievable. All of it is a bit like, it feels like where they just go, hey, we need more explosions. We're, we're talking too much. We need, we've yeah. got too much diplomacy. We just need explosions and that'll make people watch. And I think it's more the idea of they should have just gone, maybe we shouldn't be doing a Star Trek show here rather yeah. than making a different kind of show. Because the first season is amazing because it's that whole thing of going how they all started. And mm. where in this episode especially that we're going to review today, it's the what the Vulcans are like. And realizing that we're used to the Vulcans being through the lens of Spock or all like, you know, one at a time basically where we've mm-hmm. got like, you know, Tuvok who is amazing because he's a contrast to everyone. But when we actually see them with the upper hand, them being in charge of everything, and what a nightmare that is to deal with in season one, where they are literally restricting the humans from doing anything, and in this episode where they're pretty much a problem for the galaxy, 
because mm. of their sort of rigid views on stuff it, it it kind of it helps flesh them out but at the same time it made me like Vulcans less and then when it doubled down on their involvement in season four I was a bit like yeah don't like Vulcans anymore and I'm a bit annoyed about it it's, it's incredibly interesting for me to hear that that you dipped out during the Vulcan mini arc in season mm. four because that literally transformed the Vulcans from what they were in Enterprise to how we saw them in the rest of Star Trek. It sort of it sort of addressed it head on, mm. um, and I, I I think if you if you rewatched it now, if you just plowed through season four and watched yeah. it, there was a lot of things in season four where. Manny, who was a Star Trek fan, went in and went, okay, so this is a prequel. We can address this. We can address that. We can do this. Yeah. We can focus on that. And he did a lot to sort of make it an actual prequel. So it's sort of mm. like, oh, how how this is in the original series, this is why. How, you know, yeah. the Vulcans behave, this is why. And it's it's absolutely brilliant that he was he was a genius and it was so sad that it was cut short because mm. the whole issue the, the the whole premise of the seven season plan that they had was it would end like we would have the romulan war so we would have this this yeah. much talked about fable romulan earth war that that sort of uh formed the federation and that it would end with the formation of the Federation. And they we never got that fully fleshed out. And I think that's one of the greatest miscarriages in Star Trek, where for the longest time, this war was... I mean, even down to the original series, this war was mm. always discussed. And it was like, it, it was the mm. Wolf 359. It was like, this was this is what defined the, the Alpha Quadrant, the, uh, the Beta Quadrant. This is what defined the neutral zone. This is why there's tensions. And, this, and it was just yeah. like, cancelled. That, that's and and this is the problem where it's like i wonder if if it had have had the full arc would it have been better like would i have would i look back on season three and four more mm. going like but it's the fact that season three didn't feel like it was part of an arc it felt like it was a very big reaction it felt like they were going hey we need to make things more exciting mm. and it's kind of totally self-sustaining like it's totally sort of in itself and then in season four they're like oh well that happened you know rather than being part of this like it's, you know like we have in ds9 of... where you have the dominion war is like when they introduce it it kind of goes all the way but there's not really but, but it's i don't know of... i'm being a bit harsh no no it's, it's it's absolutely fair because they sort of justify it where they go like when daniels comes in season three and he's just like none of this was supposed to happen at all <laughs> like yeah we there is no record of this like there is no attack on earth there is nothing we don't know and it's sort of like I can, I can give it credit for that because people like when season three was actually airing, they were like, oh, we've never heard of the Zindi. We've never heard of this. And they were yeah. like, we've got you because this shit was not supposed to happen. And it's like, it's a great way to get around it. But it's also to say, hey, the timeline is not completely infallible and like things mm. will change. And this is what. So like we've seen with Strange New Worlds with with Khan in season two of yeah. Strange New Worlds, where they're just like. I was supposed, I've been on this planet for 30 years and I couldn't get to her. Now I've got Khan. And he's just like, oh, Khan's a kid in 1991. So he didn't piss off in 1996 then. Yeah. Okay. Mm. That's, it's a good way to, to get around like, um, sort of retcon it 
and, and yeah. modernize it a bit. But uh, I mean, there's certain things in Star Trek that are very sort of difficult um, when it when it comes to its own timeline, especially because yeah. of all the stuff that in the original series, I guess they established happened in the nineties and early two thousands, the whole mm. eugenics wars and all that. Yeah. And they've had to kind of flirt with that a little bit, mm. but then go back on it and wreck on it and. The the whole I think that was another reason why I kind of dropped off Enterprise as well. I I just didn't. I think I did get to season three with the whole Zindi arc, and I I didn't find it overly interesting at the time because mm. I think I did miss an, an episode or two. And obviously, it being a serial thing, mm. you miss an episode, you can't you can't catch you couldn't catch up back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it is something I do want to go back and watch again now because mm. you know watching this episode we were discussing it's. Uh, kind of rein, reinvigorated me for Enterprise. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so good. Like, I mean, one of my complaints about season four is that it brings in loads of new characters and then just doesn't use the existing ones. Like, where, like, Hoshi and Travis just are ignored. Like, they don't do anything in season four, I don't think, do they? Mm. Like, yeah. you know, whereas it brings in the whole, like, security team thing and it's got them and they've all got that animosity with, like, Malcolm and stuff. And it's a bit like, okay but we, we you know we've got characters at home you know? it, was, it was sort of season four was sort of like a very very soft reboot yeah um, where it was just like okay we've had season three now let's get back to what star trek actually and it yeah it was it, it really 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 annoyed people because it was only cancelled because of the way upn was managed the way the the they 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 messed around with this very much like firefly they messed around with the schedule for enterprise so much in america that hey can we watch enterprise next week well i don't know when it's on because it was on at 9 p.m but now it's on at 11 15 after the really baseball difficult game. when they've done it as a continuing plot line. yeah when you just go because they wanted to do it like Oh, what's it called? The you know the syndication where they just go, oh, just put the episodes out in any order on any yeah. network kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like you can't do the Zindi War. You can't do season four yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was, and this was an age. This was like two thousand four, two thousand five. This was before Netflix and on demand servicing. So it was like if you missed it, that was it. Like you could get it on a videotape or DVD later on, and that you know you could. Yeah. So it was, it was horrendously. It was horrendously mismanaged and it was cut short. But do you want to know my history? Yes, go on, I'll settle in. Go for it. Go. Wow. Go so, <clears throat> obviously, hardcore Trekkie, I got in on the ground floor. I heard murmurings of a start, new Star Trek show and everyone thought, oh, it's going to be you know, set after Voyager and everything like that. And they were like, no this is a prequel this is set at a time before kirk and everything like that now at the time with the lack of internet and everything there was no like there was an air of mystery we they used to call it like the 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 lost period of star trek between first contact in the original series and we get it between um the undiscovered country and the next generation there's like two big missing gaps in the star trek timeline that a lot of fans wanted to explore and at the time there was a big push for a star trek excelsior series uh, with um george takei as sulu oh. so he obviously in the undiscovered country he was captain of the excelsior and he blasted away into the sunset and then he did the uh the 1996 episode of voyager 
where he was a character. Which we've already done, which haven't we? have already done. And yeah. there, was a, there was a huge, huge drive from Takei himself and from all the fans to have, like, an Excelsior spin-off exploring the forgotten time of Star Trek. So Paramount being Paramount, they were like, we hear you, here's this completely different thing. <laughs> so when Enterprise came, they were like, this is set like a hundred years before Kirk. And it was like, it captured me because it was like, mm. how are they going to do it? How is the ship going to look? You know, these are the, the, the first foray into the galaxy and exploration. And they're going to have bog standard stuff. They're not going to have phases and stuff. And I was, I was captivated because... The first little inkling I saw, and it's so fucking funny, it was the 35th anniversary, and we saw, like, a blueprint of the Enterprise, and then they'd played a clip on BBC Two uh, with Rick Berman commenting, and it was literally where Archer meets T'Pol for the first time in the ready room, yeah. and he just goes, the Vulcans don't think we can flush a toilet without one of them to assist us, and I'm just like... <laughs> I want this show now. And like I didn't I didn't have Sky or anything like that back then. So I got my neighbor to tape every single episode. Oh, that's um, so sweet. That's nice. And I watched it and I, I watched Enterprise and I I was captivated. I was hooked. This was like the best looking Star Trek at the time. Everything was fully 3D. The the lighting was better. Every the because this was the first Star Trek she, uh series filmed entirely on high definition film so the upscaling of this when it went to blu-ray straight away it was like yep yeah, 1080p that's fine we can do it <laughs> so it looked good and to this day like I, I i watched it on my new tv downstairs and i was like it still holds up like to this day i mean there's a few dodgy green screen effects here and there but it's just like no this is well, actually really good I, I was just enjoying that, like, in this, we get to see a couple of little slight CG effects, like the shuttlecraft leaving the actual, like, yeah. leaving Enterprise and stuff. And it looks pretty good. Like, it's the idea it's... going, that's pretty good. Like, it, it doesn't have that kind of this is CG look that Voyager had, where yeah. it looked good, but it was very obviously computer I was, graphics. I was discussing this with James before we went on air. The NX01, which is on the, the bookcase behind me, Doug Drexler. Uh, design this and Doug is famous for when he designs a ship he goes into near insanity levels of detail where <laughs> obviously for, for those exterior shots it's a fully rendered 3D model um, and you could literally zoom in on this 3D model all the way to the airlock and see the airlock number on it, that's how detailed these models are yeah. um, so he, he literally went into every single facet and that gave it lent to the authenticity of the show because it was just like, no, these are these deck plates are this color for a reason, and these vents are this color. And I, I, I just, I loved it, but I love the theme tune, mm. hands down. When I'm dead and in my funeral, Fear for the Heart's gonna play. <laughs> for the three people that turn up, Fear for the Heart's gonna play. What I treasure the most, though. And I, this is why I got like a little bit emotional when season two came up. What I most remember was it was 2003. I was incredibly ill. I think I had meningitis and I was recovering from meningitis. And I was incredibly ill. And I was on the sofa in my old house and I was with my grandmother. And obviously I'm, I'm, I can't 
do anything. I've got no strength. I couldn't play on the PlayStation 2. That's right, I'm that old. Um, <laughs> so she said, well, do you want to watch Star Trek? And it was at a time where there was like, there was not like now where you can go onto TV and there's like, oh, the original series, DS9, Voyager. Yeah. I had every, every VHS tape of the second half of season two. We watched, and this is no lie, 10 to 12 hours of season two of Star Trek Enterprise non-stop all day. And she sat there with me all the way through and watched it with me. And that is one of my most treasured memories of me and my grandmother together because we mm. we both love Star Trek, but she didn't have to do that, but she sat mm. with me for 12, 10 to 12 hours and just went through the whole second half of season two. And <laughs> That's amazing. It, That's it, so wonderful. I, tr- I will treasure that for the rest of my life but i will love star trek enterprise for the rest of my life because of that memory and Mm. let's be honest our friends at the shuttle pod show come on you've got connor yeah you've got Mm. mark you've got dom everyone who worked on enterprise and it's just it 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 feels weird to watch you know love this show as deeply as i do and then make friends with people who were on it <laughs> and work mm. around it and it's just like it, it feels like everything's come full circle yeah but it just as soon as we saw season two last last week that was it i was emotional and i <laughs> will defend star trek enterprise to the hilt because it had its haters like every other Star Trek series, <laughs> like all of them, it mm. had its haters. It's got a crap theme song, and they're all in jumpsuits. Shut to up. be fair, you have Trekkies who were like, "Oh, I don't like Star Trek. It's rubbish." Just in general, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, "Why are you here?" You know, you, you literally—it's like on Facebook groups where you have people who are in groups for a particular subject and then just hate on it, and you're like, "No one, why no one <laughs> things more than fans of it?" You, you yeah. have Trekkies, and and this is this is completely true i have encountered trekkies at conventions where they go i only like season one of the original series and then i just go (laughs) why are you here yeah it's like you you literally love 26 episodes from 57 years ago (laughs) you think everything else after that is crap so it's a weird flex yeah it it, is it's very bizarre yeah but and I it, think... and it's the sort of thing of the wonderful thing is for any kind of fandom, at least try. At least yeah. go, hey, sorry, you might not like the next generation, yeah. but give it the time of day, you know? Like it's, it's that it's 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 what what I love though, very much like Deep Space Nine, um it's gained more traction in popularity since two thousand and ten with the advent of Netflix. Yeah. As soon as it was put on Netflix the the popularity just increased 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 because people who weren't able to watch it in the early 2000s because of you know paramount's disastrous scheduling have, have yeah. discovered enterprise and gone it's actually not that bad it's actually really good very much like deep space nine very much like more star trek where it's on demand there's a box set there and you can <laughs> binge all four series in a, in a week if you're brave enough and they've gone yeah. it's actually really good and a lot of people who work in like connor 
has been in conventions and people have come up to him and said, I, I've only been a fan of your show for the last 10 years because it came onto mm. Netflix and it's brilliant. And if only I was able to watch it when it was on air and, you know, mm. they're just like, mm-hmm. to be fair though i think uh the gentle dorks in the chat has raised a very good point of i think enterprise had too much to hate compared to any other shows and i think this is really valid because all the stuff that i love about season one of enterprise i can see anyone who is just expecting another trek series to hate (laughs) because you think it's all that it's like it's all that sort of beginning bit you know where you're Mm -hmm. just going oh, the Universal Translator doesn't exist yet. That is yeah. still being developed. It's like, oh, the Vulcans are dickheads and we haven't got a relationship with them. Oh, you know, oh, we don't have any, we can't actually hold up in a fight. Oh, we don't have holodecks mm. and all of these things. And you're like, but that was what was great about it. Yeah. But you wonder, maybe they set it too far back. Like, you know, going, hey, you know, it's like, I, it's like, you um, Interesting Sorry. one because I think oh, I think from like next generation through uh, where we were with Nemesis, you had had so many years of continuous timeline building from mm. like you know encounter at Farpoint through to Nemesis, and I think many people were expecting the next thing after Nemesis, whatever yeah. it was like. What happened after Voyager got back? What happened after you yeah. know in the wake of right again the Titan? But I think it's interesting you say about there was a lot to hear about it. Obviously, and we discussed this before coming on as well. Next Generation got a lot of hair when it was about to air as well, you know, for various reasons. That is yeah. the better, that newspaper article that's around yeah. on the internet of people being like, he's not Kirk, he's bald. And he's but, just like, um, oh God. One of the things well. as well, and it, it, I think it's true of modern Trek, we are, you know, it was, everyone had the internet as Enterprise was coming out. Mm. Now, the internet was around for Voyager and DS9. Mm. Because I remember I made a bloody fan site of uh, Voyager and DS9 and all that. I was making <laughs> Star Trek fan sites and stuff. I had a little um, choose your own adventure Kobayashi Maru that I put together. But I think Enterprise sort of aired just as you know the birth of social media, forums were at their height. Mm. So the hate for it was really amplified. Because I remember there being a yeah. huge amount of yeah. negativity for Enterprise. And I'll admit, I'm sometimes i always call myself easily pleased because i just like things you know i like things mm. I, I mentioned i dropped off enterprise but i never turned around and went oh i hate this i, I really dislike yeah. it i just i dropped off yeah but I, I think the internet really amplified that here and i think for many people they look back on it some 10 years later and go actually this wasn't as bad as we said it was yeah we just went along with what was amplified and i think that is going to happen with a lot of modern trek I know everyone's got their opinions about one stuff and has problems with it, but I think 10 years from now, Discovery is going to be looked back on more fondly and people are going to go, maybe we were a bit too harsh or maybe people were a bit too harsh on it. Yeah, I I, agree, I think yeah. this is definitely it. Like that can that can totally happen to any series. Like I wonder if, like you're saying, because the internet was like, not in it, it was past its infancy, but it's the, uh, the idea of would Enterprise have worked better if it, uh started more discussion like you know like remember like back in the day we had shows like lost and stuff Mm. where every week people would go on the internet and promote it by talking about what they thought was happening and stuff i i loved lost yeah it it was a phenomenon yeah from people chatting and going i don't know what's happening and so if trek had gone in a more sort of murder mystery kind of way would it have had more engagement rather Mm. than being like it's a 
standard kind of the, show. The, 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 problem, the, the, the problem that Enterprise had for a lot of people was, like I said, this was... So the, in, in America, there was, a, there was a TV channel called UPN. Now, UPN mm. launched when uh, Star Trek Voyager aired in July 1995. So Voyager was the flagship of this channel. When Voyager ended in 2001 in uh, May, Star Trek Enterprise started in uh, September 2001. What else happened in September two thousand and one? So there was mm -hmm. sort something. of a there was something. The, yeah. There, so there was a there was a there was a cultural feeling of negativity at the time, which didn't help mm. the situation. But what also didn't help was, and we've alluded this all the way through the episode so far. Paramount did not want to associate, and this is going to sound crazy to anyone who who who's never heard of this. Paramount wanted to disassociate this Star Trek show with Star Trek. That's why now, it was called Enterprise, wasn't they, it? They first? removed Enterprise. For, so for the first two seasons, it was just called Enterprise. No Star mm -hmm. Trek, no nothing. The theme yeah. tune was radically different. No orchestral arrangement from Jerry Goldsmith or anyone like that. It was a Dion Warren... Um, written song which was originally done by Rod Stewart for Patch Adams and then sung by Russell Watson of all mm. people an opera <laughs> singer Russell Watson he's all grown up now he's all grown up now and, he's not walking in the air anymore but then it was it was like this is and I remember them saying this at the time and I'm like are you high they they said this is going to be the Star Trek series that not just geeks talk about over the water cooler and I'm just like um, so I think initially before the ship left dry dock, there was a few misfires already because mm. if they'd have just started with this is a Star Trek show, Star Trek Enterprise, this yeah. is, you know, this is 100 years. This is an authentic prequel to Star Trek. If they'd have just marketed it correctly, mm. I think it would have been more successful. The other issue with it was there was so much interference from the executives at UPN and Paramount that it was a constant firefight between the showrunners, the producers, and the network execs. Because as crazy as it sounds, UPN and Paramount had a plan that every week <laughs> there was going to be in the mess hall... I love this. ...a boy band <laughs> or some sort of singing whatever group or singer or anything like that the, is this a 70s hanna barbera card uh, this is I, this is god's honest this is god's honest truth james right so every week this <laughs> this was the plan every week because obviously the mess hall is where they gathered for movie time so why not have movie time and concert time because we had it on the d when they used to do the string quartets and everything yeah, so right, the plan was, yeah the, the, <laughs> and and his sex swing the plan was it was they would sing a song on the show that week and then the day after Paramount would release the single for people to go and buy. Rick Berman, for all of his flaws, for yeah. all of his flaws, Rick Berman said two words and one of them ended in off. <laughs> but this was, was the last one was. But this I, was the level I, I of have interference. To say, though, I, I have mm. to say, though, I do actually love that as an idea. 
but I don't love it as an idea for Trek. Yeah, and it's yeah. very much the idea of going studio exec- exec- executives being like, oh, I've got this great idea. What can we slap it on? And you're like, that is not how this works. That is, yeah. that is a terrible, terrible idea. And it's this idea of like any other show that could quite work on. That's a great marketing technique to be like, hey, look, we get budding pop stars. We can, you know, you can really market stuff like this. But why? Why would they have different bands when the crew is like a hundred people? How many bands do they have? Everyone's in a band. Half of season one is them going, oh, we, we got chinned in a fight again and everything's barely functioning. Oh, we've picked up this random quartet. You know, we've picked up this <laughs> random pop band. You know, it, it may it would be hilarious, but yeah, it's not true. We, we were getting <laughs> no, we were absolutely. getting to a point where short like executives did not know the subject material, so did not care. Like uh, like I said, with the, with the NXO one, when they were designing the the ship, they wanted it to look, you know, more uh, archaic than the Constitution class from the original series. They literally went, oh, let's just take the Akira class from First Contact and just use that. No one will notice. And it was just like, you, no, you've, never, you've never no, met a will. Star Trek fan, have you? So <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like every, anyone can see that. But then the other idea, which I would have found really interesting for season one, it was not going to be in space at all for season one. They were going to build up mm. to the launch of the NXO one at the end of season one then they go out. So it would have been the political struggles with the Vulcans restricting them from launching and developing the mm. engine and the failures mm. and the, the crashes and the deaths and stuff like that, the the turmoil that is involved. Very much like it was going to parallel the, the 60s space race. So mm. it was like, we've got this engine, we've got this ship, and it's just like, it damn near killed, you know, it killed my father before yeah. he could even see it and stuff like that. But then the executives were like, no, there needs to be more pew pew action. And again, it's a tough it's, one. how yeah. would you do that though? Like, but it's, it's, yeah. I, I would have an entire season dedicated to that, I wouldn't have necessarily been in favor of. But the first few episodes dedicated to that, because, you know, sometimes when we see, like, you know, for lack of better terms, Starship porn. We all enjoy that in the films, you know oh, the yeah. the sweeping shots in the motion picture oh. and <laughs> so and on and so forth. <laughs> you know, that, it's like we love seeing that. And there's a shot in uh, the 2009 one where you see the Enterprise being built, and it would have been really cool to kind of, like I said, maybe dig into that a little bit than building the Enterprise, the Vulcans being what they were. Now, when we maybe talk about the episode, I'll talk about how surprised I was because I'd forgotten just how prickly the vulcans were in enterprise yeah. just you know yeah being like that you know trying to feel like, oh this won't work this won't work you're, you're not ready you're not ready to do this and the defiance of humanity um it would have been interesting for you i don't know, I think it could have carried an entire season but it's definitely a idea that'd be worth exploring the the narrative problem you have with it is that basically you need to in season one you need to go hey here's our characters here's the people that we rely on and then basically Mm. go hey here's who are the show because star trek is always about the characters it's always an ensemble cast and you do risk going hey season two we go into space well, that random receptionist woman's not coming with us, or oh, mm. all of the scientists are probably not going to come with us and stuff. And I then you're like, it, oh, yeah. how do you do? And then it's like, so it's that weird thing that I think it does need to get off the ground running. Yeah. But they do a fairly good job of introducing, going, 
we are in the middle of this bullshit with the Vulcans. So, you know, like... But it's also... It, it's it also does quite well, but a whole season... Mm. But it's also a, yeah. a time where humanity's attitude is very much that of the 20th, 20th, 21st century, where they've still got that, you know, they have not got an evolved sense of uh, being and nobility and stuff like that, where mm. they're just like, you've got trip tucker where he's just like you know i'm four i'm four steps away from knocking you on your ass and stuff like do you know yeah. what I mean? it's just like it, they are they are human but in a star trek universe so they are like yeah. modern humans in the star trek universe um, and i think that is what's so great about this episode like, yes because this episode demonstrates the how wonderful season one and two and four are because three doesn't, I don't know if three accomplishes much, but it's basically how good that is in terms of going, this is how the Federation happens. And it was meant to be over seven seasons, but the idea of, you know, where there's a moment in this episode where Archer's basically going, I have a feeling that our mission isn't just to explore stuff, it's also to, you know, form relations with other races mm -hmm. and try to become something bigger than we are. Yeah. yeah. And you just like, and the idea of that dawning on them, because it is, it literally, it's the whole mission growth. of Enterprise is to go and explore stuff with human curiosity. Yeah. It's so, not to create a federation of planets. So this this episode uh, that we are here to, uh, I mean, we, we've just... 45 minutes in. 45 good. minutes in. <laughs> um, the, 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 the synopsis of this episode is basically um, the Andorians um, contact... Uh, Captain Archer, they want help mediating a discussion between themselves and the Vulcans over the fact um, that it, it, over this occupied planet. Mm. Um, this is this is a well-rounded episode, I'd say. I don't say I don't think it's one of the best ones, but considering it's a mid-season episode, it's mm. fairly strong for where it was where it was positioned in the season, and it does open up a lot of avenues for the show like you alluded to when he's talking to dr flox where mm. he's just like maybe we're not just out here to explore strange new worlds and encounter new civilizations maybe we are out here because we want to be part of a larger community than what we are now we want yeah. to work with other species not just the vulcans we want to work with the andorians work with these races you know to to strive for a common goal because mm. the initial the initial thing is obviously Shran, who is leading the Andorians, uh, reaches out to him because he's like, Gums. "Okay, we need a we need a <laughs> mediator, and we need someone that I can trust, and I actually trust this pink skin, this archer. Like he actually seems to have yeah. a really good sort of sense of fairness." Uh, and obviously, the Enterprise are just going, "Why are we involved in this mm -hmm. this dispute between two races that aren't us?" And then it's kind of dawning on them being like, hey, maybe this is what we do. Like, yeah. you know, maybe I this is how we can contribute to the galaxy. And I, it's sort of a, that, that sort of trope they do, like the whole mediating is something that obviously gets used frequently throughout the Star Trek series. When I saw the synopsis, I thought this is like a classic sort of Trek dilemma. <laughs> you know, the two warring races, the captain who was brought in to do it. But when you look at it from the perspective you mentioned there, this is like, the first time that yeah. they get to do this. This is the first time they get to be that bridge between the two races and that realization, hey, we are we're part of something bigger here. Because I think um there, there's a sort of a perception, I guess, maybe why I repeat the wrong way, that as soon as first contact happened, as soon as the Vulcans came down, that's it. Humanity is immediately we evolved down. and tried yeah. we, immediately we, evolved. Yeah. we saw the Vulcans, we went, oh amazing. We're like we're, all problems are solved now. 
And it's very unrealistic. But I think people, yeah. sometimes when they see Star Trek's Utopia, they think it happened overnight. Well, it didn't. You have to work. You had to work for it. And in the well, that's it. Sure. And you this have to suggests, work for it. This suggests that there was a hundred years of the Vol since the Vulcans arrived, just being like, hey, no, no, don't touch anything. No, no, yeah. just just sit down and just calm down. Just we'll, we'll discover. You can go to space, you know, next week. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of, like, there's a there was a book I've got. Uh, it's called Federation: The First 150 Years, and it is beta canon, but it goes into a lot of, you know, it. Earth at the time of first contact in 2063 was still recovering from the the third thing that we won't mention because YouTube will go haywire. But <laughs> you know, 600 million dead. It was completely. It was a nuclear wasteland for most of it. It was dead, and it was like the Vulcans made first contact, and they were like, it alludes to for the first like. 50 years they were repairing earth they were like mm. curing the land curing the, yeah. the mutated the ill the getting rid of poverty and stuff like that and then you know all the while sending out earth was sending out probes because the vulcans mm. were like no 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 you you can't just get up in a ship and go you you have to fix your shit you have to deal with your shit and it was that the animosity well, not the animosity, but the, the the anxiety that the Vulcans had was like, this alien race has discovered warp drive within 10 years of nearly destroying itself. Yeah. What are they going to do when they go to another planet? And what are they going it to do is when the they whole, do this? It, it, it's, it's sort of like a flaw with the whole first contact thing, really, in fact. Just because a civilization has, detect, has managed to discover warp doesn't necessarily mean that they are ready to engage with that larger community of races. And I mean, I, you could yeah. argue at this point in, in the timeline that none of these races were really fully ready to communicate or be around each other because they're all a little bit arsey. Well, this, and I think this is why... Yeah, definitely. But I think this is why the Vulcans saw, saw obviously, the Phoenix break the warp, and I think this is why they made first contact because they were like, we don't... We, we've seen that this this primitive race what they can do to themselves we don't want this situation it essentially right <laughs> the vulcans are nimbies okay the humans have moved into the neighborhood they've discovered warp <laughs> drive and they're just like oh god they're gonna have parties with hot tubs so they sort of <laughs> stepped in with the neighborhood watch alliance and have gone like hey welcome to the neighborhood by the way you don't want to do this and they restricted like the advancements in technology because warp warp one will get you to the end of the solar system in like i think it's like 11 hours or days or something like that mm. so it's not actually that fast but then mm. they were like they saw how quickly humanity was progressing and they're mm. sort of like oh god they've gone from warp one to warp three to warp four shit we need to slow them down <laughs> and like at yeah. the time of enterprise the vulcans are like cruising around at warp seven and humanity's barely scratching warp five which is like a hundred times slower than warp seven mm. and they were sort of like we are protecting ourselves we are protecting you and then we are protecting everyone else but the way that the vulcans approached it as we see all the way through enterprise it's like very they look down upon humans because yeah. they are a primitive species but in reality they are terrified of the humans because they remind them of Vulcans of, you know, ancient times yeah. who were violent yeah. and volatile, and they don't want that to happen to them or to the region that they inhabit. 
Mm. It's like humanity could have gone one. Of, I mean, literally, we see that with the mirror universe. Humanity could have gone one of two different ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With yeah. It all. Shake and... hand or shotgun. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and... is, it is a strange thing though with the with the Vulcans because, like, like you're saying, James, they 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 see well, they see themselves in us and the, the way that they went. And yeah. it's the fact of humanity could easily go that same way. Yeah. Like it could easily just be like, because they, because we develop so quickly and we sort of get around things so quickly. And yeah, and it's very strange that it, it doesn't go into this that much, really, that Vulcans are terrified of what humanity can, it, what can accomplish. What season four? But no, no, it's like, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I know season yeah. four, but it's it's yeah. that idea of it, it does get there eventually um, <laughs> i think it's a thing though it's like for so long you just kind of look at them and you go god you're pricks aren't you yeah like, and we it, see it that a lot get to that point we see that a lot well, we see that in this episode we yeah see, we do we, we, in this episode we basically see that logic isn't correct like yeah no. logic lo you know logic and wisdom are not the same thing so we mm. have stuff where the vulcans are drawing conclusions about stuff and you're like but you are totally wrong you don't actually yeah. know that and i understand that that is the logical way to think of things but it doesn't mean it's right it's like and a probability thing for them it's like yeah. well logically you know if we, if we say it's 80 percent going to be like this then we go with the 80 percent because it's a logical thing to do but that's not how it works. Yeah. You know, we, 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 the perfect example is your randomization at the bottom of the screen right now. Yeah. You know, logically, yeah. you'd expect it all to be mishmashed up, but it doesn't work like that. It, it just, sorry. Well, with a dabber just... wheel, you'd have expected Enterprise to appear in like 52 spins, it's, but it didn't. <laughs> it's, it's sort of when you see the Andorians of the Vulcans, they are A and B, they are dark and light, red and blue. And then yeah. they go, oh, well, the humans, they are the wild card because the humans mm. have outside of the box thinking. So, like, yeah. the Andorians want to talk. The Vulcans don't want to talk. They just want to remove them. The humans are just like, well, let's just talk. Well, and let's, let's just go to them. Let's just mm. give you. And I have to give props because we get all the fucking characters for Star Trek Enterprise in this episode. We get the amazing Jeffrey Combs, the Shran. Mm -hmm. We get the late, great Gary Graham, who sadly uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago, but he is a terrific actor all the way through Enterprise. He's terrific. And one of the characters that has such an arc from episode one all the way yeah. through to episode four, where he's like, episode one, you are a dick. And then <laughs> all the way to episode four, where he's just like, wow, you were actually like, you have evolved your character. And you Which well is great. Them. Yeah, it's because because I, I was saying obviously we were talking before we started about the fact of obviously the actor did pass away recently, yes. but it's a testament to his acting ability how much I dislike Saval, like yeah. how much of a dickhead he is. I mean, literally, he starts season his his attitude in season one is like he was having a wank and someone knocked on the door. That is that's literally him for the first like 10 Have episodes a nerve pinch yeah that's it it's, um, it's gone dead in me hand but oh, <laughs> on the neck but it's not the down there was... sorry <laughs> but he's just so oh he's so frustrating and he's so and it's that weird thing because obviously this is our first time seeing proper vulcans on mars like you know we've yeah. had half vulcans like spock uh, and then we've had like tuvok who was great uh, and then in this one we get to pal uh, who is who is amazing. Like, she's one of the Jolene best. Jolene Blalock is... And then, and then very gets, good. 
Then you get Saval, who is representing the sort of thinks he's a great Vulcan, but he is actually very emotional. Like, you know, his little bitchy bits and his little like, you know, his little rants and the bits where he's obviously discontent about stuff. And you're mm. like, these are what you're supposed, these are what you're meant to pride yourself on repressing. And he doesn't do a very good job with it, I think. But he I, goes too much into his own pride and that, yeah. doesn't he? That's Which it. Is it. In yeah. this yeah. episode, the Vulcans are hubris personified. That yeah. is exactly what they are in this, where they're just, like, I wrote down the actual, what happens, okay? is basically, um, yeah, the Andorians found a planet that no one had claimed. So they immediately put equipment on it to start terraforming it to make it into their own planet. Mm. They build a settlement on it. And then the Vulcans look at it and go, oh, that's very close to our space. Logically, they must only want it to attack us because it's a tactical, you know, location. Yep. They don't know that. They've just assumed that. Uh, and then they just go, okay, cool. Well, what we'll do is we'll go down and we'll ask them if they'll let us inspect their settlement. And the Andorians are like, no, <laughs> no yeah, you've not, got no it's... right to do that. Yeah, and then the Vulcans basically go, okay, well, we're going to annex it. We yeah, claim this planet now. now for ourselves, and then we get rid of all the settlers and we put them all in camp. And, it's, and it's... he's sitting there being like, the logic of, oh, the only thing they could possibly be doing is a base in order to attack us. Therefore, we have permission to claim it off them. And they are dead set in this. They will not... You know, like Topol is just like, well, whatever conclusion could there possibly be? And it's that idea of logic over compassion or reason, mm. or even just talking, maybe. Like discussing yeah, it. God forbid, communication. I, I, I was discussing this with uh, Kelly, uh, Colour with Wonder on Twitch, who's. Uh, uh, I, was discuss I was discussing this, and I said, this episode mirrors current events in the world, where it's just like. Oh, they they occupy land. They're terraforming that land. That must mean it's a it's a military base, and it's very close to us. Oh, it's ours now, because mm. we thought that they were going to do something bad with it. So it's ours now, and we yeah. forcibly removed the <laughs> inhabitants. Now this this they like, just that, happened to be oil there as well. Yeah, but, but, but that, <laughs> that, that oh, we're scene, really back to the two thousands, aren't we? But that little scene <laughs> in the captain's mess where they're discussing that, or where, you know, where where T'Pol's given a backstory where it's just like. They discovered it first, they terraformed it, we annexed it, and then there was a treaty in 2097 where the planet was just completely uninhabited and there was a satellite in place. And now the Andorians are, are invading our planet. And it's like there's two different names for it. The Vulcans call it Pon Makar, the Andorians mm. call it Waitan. Now, on uh, our Discord, on the Nerdy Up North Discord and on the Nerdy Up North Twitter page, I'm going to say Twitter, it is not X. On the Twitter page, it we sounds do like porn if you call it X. I'm yeah, sorry. we we do have a poll about this uh, that basically asks, who uh, do you feel had uh, was was right in their claim of the planet? Was it the Andorians, the Vulcans? Neither, um, or there was there was another one, wasn't there? There was another both. Both. Yeah. I am very much in the in the camp of the Andorians discovered it. The mm -hmm. Andorians were terraforming it. If there was zero evidence of any some any sort of military installation on that planet, then by all intents and purposes, it is the Andorians' planet. Yep. All right, it's mm. close to the Vulcan border, but if there is no military installation, if there is no threat, then what the Vulcans did was wrong. And I think this scene exposes the Vulcans of this time as... Yes, it was a bit close, so we just removed the colonists. And even yeah. Trick goes, 
by force and it's <laughs> never alluded to and it's just like yeah. it really shows that the vulcans are like the paranoid but then they are also like that their logic is so heavily at the forefront of their mind that they go well logically it must be that not one shred of evidence to confirm mm. even when the planet's yeah. left and they could have inspected it not one shred of evidence that anything untoward was going on and this yeah. is this is the thing i was having discussion with adam earlier about anxiety and the the fact that your brain tricks you with anxiety disorder to be like oh well what i'm doing is logical yeah. the the me panicking about stuff or me sort of overthinking stuff oh that's just that's naturally logical and the vulcans are very much this where they're going yeah. they are scared of this thing happening that they have no evidence of that there might be the andorians are a warlike race they yeah. might be trying to attack but at the same time they might not be you don't know and yeah. yet they're acting brutally in a dangerous way in order that actually upsets the andorians more obviously in order to make them felt selves feel safer and it's and the where's the hilarious thing is logically logically if that planet was in a tactical position and could have been dangerous they should have grabbed it first yeah you yeah know, like it's, that, it, well, that, well, that's and it's this thing, idea yeah. of their their failure is why this situation has come up which is but yeah. then it's, like, it's it's sort of the question like if they wanted it as a as a, a a military base as an outpost because of its proximity to vulcan space why would they go through so much effort to terraform the planet yeah, yeah. just just put a base just on, put it an outpost on there. Yeah. Just put yeah. an outpost, <laughs> put a star base on there. You wouldn't, if you were just going to do, do, do a Bajor thing and just be like, oh, it's got, you know, what, what the Romulans tried to do with Bajor, where they're like, oh, it's a hospital. I'm like, why is it full of missiles? Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hospital for missiles. <laughs> the, but, yeah. so, <laughs> oh, the missile's sick. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I liked, I loved it that when, Enterprise arrives at the the planet. I'll just say the planet. I won't give it a name either way. The Saval comes aboard, and Saval is just Saval, where he's just going. I didn't even invite you here. The Andorians <laughs> wanted you. I'm in the middle of negotiations, and mm. you're just gonna get up. And it's just like, and and I love the fact that Archer just counters that and going, "Well, if you don't want us, we'll be off." And yeah. It's just yeah. Like, I've got but things this is, to this do. Is how, but this is how stupid the Vulcans are. It's like they're talking about how logical they are and how like higher and log uh, you know how like much better they are than the humans. Mm. And then you're like, you are the worst negotiators in the entire fucking world. But they're not even like, trying. Literally, yeah, they're not it's even like trying. Going into that's a place. Right. Yeah, it's that, like going into a place being like, "Hello, you fucker! I'd like a pay rise," and he's just yeah. like. But, did you think that would work? They're not, they, they don't even try to negotiate. They just think they've got this right to it and force <laughs> them away. But then they don't even see like the logic that introducing a mediator, a, a sort of chaotic element, could benefit both people. And ultimately it does, because that's the whole point of a mediator. It's a, yeah. a neutral party. And like Which... you say, it's that, it's that fear. It's the they're trying to go too hard on their logic and seeing no room for wavering from it at all it's like no logic must be 100 percent right even when you know there's room for failure here but shran is right because the they the whole reason ash is there is because the vulcans want to talk but the vulcans want to talk in a way 
that drags the situation on for yes. years and nothing is achieved. And Shran goes, no, if we are going to talk, we are going to get results and we are going to do mm -hmm. this now. And it's yep. sort of, that's why Archer's brought in because he knows very much, again, paralleling real world events where it's just like, I am open for negotiations. However, we will drag them on for four years and nothing will be achieved. Mm -hmm. well, this is the thing. Do you okay? Two questions. One: Do you think the Vulcans deliberately do that so that they never actually need to make a decision, and yep. that it's a tactical thing? Possibly. Yeah. Two, uh, you know, because what what we see is the 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 sheer arrogance where when we have Tapal and Archer going down to the planet to meet uh, Shran to have the initial uh, discussion, like deliberations with him. Like, Topol's like, oh, did you read all of those documents I gave you? I've given you, like, you know, thousands of pages of, docu of Vulcan documents about the situation mm. and the legality and how our laws work and how we want to do all of this. And Archer's like, no, I didn't read all of that. I, like, I glanced at it, but I don't really... And she's like, well, how are we going to do this if we don't do it the Vulcan way? You know, that, that kind of attitude of, oh, well, the best way to handle this situation is the Vulcan way because it's the Vulcan way. It's because it's and the way like, that we've yeah, decided. No. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, We're going to wing I've it. I've forgotten the actual line, but he basically just goes, we're not going to win over the Andorians yeah. with Vulcan, Vulcan ways. Yeah. yeah. Hello to Mark in the chat. You have missed hey, all Mark. the debauchery. Don't, don't look at the beginning. The... Uh, <laughs> But, oh hi Damon. Damon's in the chat as well. Oh hello hey, David. He's he's from he's from nice France. The uh <laughs> but it's it's I, I I like to Paul in this scene though because she's she's quite rightly like you said there, Sonoise, where she's like it must be dealt with in the Vulcan way, but she is also very much in Archer's camp where she's like, mm. Saval is expecting you to fail, so I am preparing you the only way I know how by giving mm -hmm. you the Vulcan way of negotiating it. And yeah. Archer just being Archer is just like, I'm going to wing it. Yeah. I, I, it was interesting it. seeing to Paul in this episode because you can kind of see, because I remember, again, not watching him in a very long time, but I remember what she was like at the very start yes. of the series. She was very rigid in that same way she was like no logical way is the right way you are going to fail you are rubbish you're mm. humans or whatever <laughs> but in this she's like it's it's that conflict you can see her growth in fact she's learning that maybe her way isn't the best way just because it, it seems to be the most logical way there are other ways to go it but that doesn't necessarily mean she has to sacrifice who she is yeah. i think that's one of the figures the vulcans have as well is that if they think that if they bend in any way at all from what is the most logical thing then they sacrifice who they are and immediately they're going to go back to being the way they were yeah. and that's a fear you know when you all of us do all of us do things in the past that we might not necessarily be mm. proud of or things that are mistakes and we all hopefully all of us learn to be better people but I think for a lot of us, if we have made a mistake in the past or whatever, there might be a part of us that thinks, God, if we don't do the right thing, if we don't continue on this path, we might go back to being that person. Mm. You know, it's varying degrees because, you know, I'm saying as if we've all done something horrible in the past, but well, we all grow. You <laughs> I know, went to we, a Middlesbrough we... game, so, uh, yeah, I have plenty of <laughs> I'm a, Right, I'm a you fan of Middlesbrough, the blood yeah. so. How <laughs> matches aren't that bad. Uh, <laughs> but so, no, 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 <laughs> you're exactly right, though, James. It's it, you know the the transition that to Paul has, but it's the Vulcans are basically 
a walking coping mechanism. Mm. They are literally like the OCD that, oh, I need to touch all the fence posts as I walk past. Oh, I need mm. to like yeah. walk around the room three times and turn all the light switches on in order to go to bed kind of thing. Their whole life seems to be this, of dealing with, I, I say their humanity, but their sort of inner anger and stuff is very much them trying to balance all of this mm. in ceremony and in process like meditation and whatnot yeah but then it means that when they interact with other races they're like oh we have no common ground here at all and mm. like you're saying it's wonderful getting this episode here where we see saval and topol in the same place where they started off being the same kind of vulcan and now we've got topol who's more mellowed and opening up to the idea of going i started thinking the vulcan way was the only way mm. but i've seen a lot of examples now of going humans get results doing yeah. illogical crazy shit yeah and i'm kind of going and that's the whole message of trek the whole message is like multiculturalism it's yeah. all like if we all go together and we all get everyone's strengths we we become a better yes. thing it's it's multiculturalism and it's frosted tips i <laughs> because god damn it i'm cursing connor trinia for giving me this hairstyle the uh he says he's wearing what, a hat what <laughs> What I, I have to Bless wear the hat, the it's, it's part of the uniform. Um, <laughs> what I love, though, is when Archer goes to meet Shran and they, you know, Shran has a list of demands. Archer just goes... They're brilliant, hey, though. They're like, yeah, yeah. just give us the planet. And you're yeah. like, they're, they're, okay, Rescind the 2097 treaty. <laughs> give us the planet. Acknowledge our sovereignty. And Archer's just like, are, are, are you high? And I want a jet. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and lifetime supply of Vianetta? No. <laughs> And I want a I'm nice car. It's melted now. <laughs> oh. that, that's like the dude from Naked Gun too, isn't it? I want a nice car outside. I, I want a Porsche. Um, I love the idea that they, if it was Vianetta and everyone's like, what the fuck's that? And I'm like, eh, it's a like 90s oh. dessert, basically. Do you, know, do you know, I am of an age where I can afford a Vianetta and I don't because I'm just not They're only that... a quid in Iceland. But James, I'm not that decadent. Oh, wow, there you go. I need, <laughs> I, to, I I need to set love... the mood. Well, oh. when I was at university, there was a pizza shop, like the, the regular one we had every time we went for a night out, like drinking, and they had just ice cream on the menu. And we were like, oh, should we order the ice cream? And one day we did, and it was just a full Vianetta. Like, <gasps> not, yeah, like, a, you know, like this big. And we're just going like, this is more than my wildest did, dream. Did you, what a world. As well? did you cut it with a knife slowly as well at the end? What did a world we live in. Oh, <laughs> so just I just love that it was the fanciest thing after a night. Did like they a offer a for one single Ferrero Rocher to go on the top? <laughs> Oh, Pablo, you're really spoiling it. Ah, with this, I um with this boy. This of death. is a complete complete tangent. I don't even know where we're going. With <laughs> Tang this. Tangents? When I was in secondary school, tangents here. When I was in secondary school, we had a teacher who did you know they always give like an assembly at the yeah. start where they talk ramble about something for twenty minutes and then you don't know what the point was. He was <laughs> talking about him being at home, having a box of Ferrero Rocher and watching the TV. But he kept on saying Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> and you could just see you could just hear the ripple of laughter amongst the <laughs> students, but you could also see all the teachers stood around in the line. Every time he said Ferrero Rocho, all of them looking down, biting their hand, trying not to laugh at him because he's like the head of year. It's fantastic. What an Ferrero anecdote. Rocho. But Fre I, I was that, just there eating this Ferrero Rocho. It sounds Rocho. like a porn star name, actually. Hello, I am Ferrero Rocho. <laughs> oh, you're really spoiling that, that. That is a drag queen name, that Ferrero <laughs> Rocho. Good one. I, I, I just like the idea of massively just. <laughs> you know 
Ferrari Roque. You've got any? Of them? <laughs> I was so fancy. Oh, I thought a pack of eight of them. That is my type of human that's pronouncing things wrong intentionally. Yeah. Mine is just having them after eight or seven fifty-nine. Yeah. Um, no yeah. enterprise. Yeah. No, but, but I, I love, I love the fact that he negotiates the release of one injured uh, captive. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes back to Saval and goes. He wants to meet with you on his terms. And Saval's just like, "Are you drunk?" Um, <laughs> But again, he literally just goes, "Oh, these! Oh, you've done a great job of negotiating." So basically, you know. But Archer comes out again strong with his human logic, mm. where he's just like, you know, he has released a captive as a show of good faith. I am going down with you to to do this. You know, we we are going to go down, and we are. And it Saval's just like, nope, nope. You are a walking disaster area. This is just the worst thing you you could ever done, and it's like. But what I love is the fact he turns around and goes, the Andorians are willing to talk. The Andorians are willing to be flexible. You are not. Yeah. Mm. And yet you have claimed that you want to open up a dialogue. Yeah. He uses yeah. the logic against the Vulcans. And then I love I love the fact where he just goes, the ball is in your court. And Saval just does that. He's like, huh? This is a, <laughs> a, a I just love that Saval translates it translates yeah. it for him and then and then later on where he's walking down to the shuttle pod and he's just like oh you know he's like oh well the ball is in our court who's apparent. who's saying going <laughs> down what why is makes it stop saying go, going down um, going down going down i, I really like that, that was it it was a thing that we, we really again having not seen enterprise for so long i forgot how strong a captain archer was oh bacula's amazing he's you no know, he's he, he very 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 good yeah like the cast were just so good yeah the, yeah. the, the, the cast like the only one the only one that i feel doesn't is, is difficult is because he's played incredibly well like malcolm reed is played by uh dominic isn't it yeah yeah and yeah. and the thing is they this character is just he's not a likable character yeah because it's always just, a problem you have for that yeah, but he's played so well yeah. by Dominic. But you do kind of feel a bit like sort of, oh, this character's like doesn't have enough going for them because they're mm. such a military guy where the whole thing is they're basically like a human Vulcan who's like, hey, don't talk about feelings, just do this, just yeah. work, 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 you know, focus on that. And it's fascinating seeing, but it is like an odd one of going, oh, you didn't even get to play the Doctor because obviously the guy who plays the Doctor, uh, John Billingsley, Bill, Bill Billingsley, like he is so he's having a time of his life. <laughs> he's loving he's having this a character. Real, <laughs> love attacks. I really I, love flocks. The thing, one of the things I really liked in the episode as well is um, the seeing what was happening on the ship while they were down negotiating and worrying about Archer and that. Mm. You get the ships come up and you see them. You get they get the opportunity to spring into action. Sure, like how much they've learned and how much they can hold their own when they put themselves between the two ships, creating like that sort of situation. Trip going, in command. Yeah. I, trip the, was brilliant. I, I was, I was I going need to ask you this, how does this happen? Like, because what is the order of rank in this? Because it is odd that the, the chief engineer becoming the captain while like Reed is there while, well, allow T'Pol me. is gone technically. Uh, allow yeah. me, allow me to get into my Trek facts. <laughs> <laughs> Out of martini, shit. Um, so, Captain and Paul, that's the captain and first first officer, essentially. Um, there is no such thing as a first officer at this period in Starfleet. First officers were invented, well, not invented, but they were brought in like after the original series movies. So that's why mm. Captain Riker 
uh, Commander Riker's role was was there. So it was uh, Captain Archer, Sub Commander T'Pol, and then the other highest ranking, a third down, is uh, Commander Tucker, who mm. is the chief engineer. Obviously, as a small ship, there's only a crew of seventy two on board, so it's mm. literally he is the most senior one. What I absolutely loved, and I know we're jumping ahead slightly, what I absolutely loved. Two things, three things. Connor Trenier. Yeah, getting, in general. Getting, yeah. <laughs> getting to flex his acting chops. Mm-hmm. Connor Trenier and his frosted tips. But Trip Tucker taking command and willing, very much like Archer, to do the outside of the box thinking to mm. get a situation done because he sees you've got these two warring about two races about to go to war. He knows what's going to happen if these two fleets meet, and his decision is Parker's right in the middle. Yeah. So mm. if they fire, they don't fire on each other, they fire on us. Mm. And it's like that is like a ballsy maneuver because let's be honest, the NX01 is a Fiddly little ship compared to like the mighty. Vulcan. They've only had shields for about ten episodes at this point. I mean. Not even like, not even <laughs> shields. I mean, look at how odd that is. That is a Vulcan ship, and that is <laughs> massive compared to the NX01. That is overcompensating for something. It, it, it's got a big ring. That's all I'm saying. But it's uh, ring sting. But it's it's the fact he's like. He's in command and he's like, I am willing to take us all down to prevent a war. Mm. I absolutely deeply wished the events of Trip Tucker's life did not happen the way they did happen and we got more of Trip. It can be retconned. It anyway. will be retconned. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the last two episodes. Connor is were such an amazing actor. I know he is, Mark. <laughs> But no, but no, it's exactly that, and it's it's how wonderful it is that like this this show allows characters to shine in their own kind of way. Like yeah. it's you know, I, I mean, one of my favorite episodes is uh, is it Doctor Doctor, which is the Flocks episode of season one. Oh dear Doctor, basically, yeah, dear yeah. Doctor, that is just that is an amazing episode, and it just goes, hey, the Doctor is a really strong character, mm. um, you know, and and Trip is just. Trip is wonderful because even at the beginning of this episode where we have them having dinner together where it's uh, Archer, Trip and T'Pol and it's the fact of how concerned Trip is about the engines and being like, we're going too fast, it's not going to be able to handle it. I got just quote, yeah. Did you get the quote? What? No. Where, like, he's worried that they're pushing the engines too far, like they're running at 110% and T'Pol's just like, they are rated for 120. And he's just like, yeah, well, me pants are fireproof, but I don't light myself on fire to prove it. (laughs) And it's just yeah, that's good point. (laughs) It's one one thing I do like, I I remember liking about it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mark. That means a lot. It really does. It just had a bit more realism. $20, Paul can eat a whole pizza. You know? Paul can pay a small child to fold the pizza into his mouth. That's, that's how it's meant, I think. Anyway, Jed. <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> I, was, I was just saying, it's one thing I do like about Enterprise is it did sort of introduce a bit more realism in the dialogue. It wasn't as yeah. stilted, it wasn't as stiff as yeah. some of the um, later Star Treks obviously went on to be, which were very rigid. And I, I, I love Star Trek Fallout, but also it needed a bit more, just a bit more in between. It, it needed, it needed, and I think again season four. But one of my most favorite episodes in se- it's from season three, which is uh, similitude, 
which again is mm. a is a is a trip focused episode and the acting breaks me to this day i mm. i guess you could say it takes you on a trip <laughs> so anyway we could, the, but we the, won't. the the episode <laughs> i i got i got really good uh undis- <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> you're coming on again the um... <laughs> i'm really enjoying it this is about one of the best experiences of my life i'm so sorry i'm not saying well, anything no, no, no. <laughs> there are other things i'm from middlesbrough oh right yeah that's I'm, I'm, all there my... is is terror and death my condolences um <laughs> I, i'll be sure to do a generation's combat on your stony grave the um <laughs> What I loved, I got I got serious undiscovered country vibes from this because the shuttle pod gets shot down when they they are transporting Saval to the meeting with Shran, um, but we do get a little scene between Tara, the second in command of Shran, where mm. she's just wanting to push for uh, uh, push for uh, to wipe out the, the the Vulcan infantry. You know, now mm. is the time we can seize the opportunity, and Shran is just like, these are my orders. We will we will open these negotiations we will have this dialogue follow my orders and then the shuttle mm. pod is, is shut down uh, is shot down and then obviously we we find out later on that it was the andorians themselves that shut shot down the shuttle god that is so hard to say <laughs> shot down I, the I, shuttle yeah. I especially what scene, martin again but but it's a scene towards the end and i, I got serious undiscovered uh, undiscovered country vibes from that where it's just like you want peace how many more of your people don't want peace? How many more people mm. would actually prefer a war with yeah. the Vulcans? And it's sort of that, it's because it's been instilled. If you think this this little thing, this planet has been a sore point for them for 100 years. It's sort of like England and Argentina over the, over the Falklands. It is a very mm. sore point. And it's just like some people want the peace and just want to move on. Other people are still extremely bitter about it and are just like, no, F them. You know, this I'd rather totally, wipe them um... it, it very it very much talk it, it's very much parallel to the fact of like, you know, people who grew up in war torn countries and yeah. then they're like 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 we had with nine eleven and like we had with sort of the war in Afghanistan and they're like, mm. Oh, why does this country hate us? And it's like, well, because all the people there grew up under this shadow of all the terrible things America did to them like years ago. Yeah. And then we can't just expect them just to be like, oh, are you, are you not over that? Oh, you know, like, oh, you're not over like having to grow up in that kind of environment. But, but that it's, we it's left sort of, it's, again, it's and the same. That's it's the what same the Andorians are like. Yeah. And they're it, unreasonable. Like, I am very much, I, I don't like Tara and I it really annoys me that Tran is trying to get peace and Tara is like literally under. Yeah. You, you cannot justify her actions at yeah. all. But it's understood. You still go, oh, but we read into this has been like she's grown up in this like mm, thirty yeah. years or whatever or however many yeah. years of this being the situation, and she hates the Vulcans. So the idea of just going, hey, let's just reason with them. I'm sure they're reasonable people, and she's like, I haven't experienced that yet, and and obviously people like uh, Saval haven't really helped that. You know, yeah. it's, it's, I think. It's, oh, sorry. So it, it's Shran is very. Although Shran is a battle-hardened, you know, veteran soldier, he's a commander, he's seen yeah. action, he is extremely progressive. Mm. And he's like, there is... And, and I think... I think this has all been down to Archer because before this episode, the last time we had the Andorians was, was Pajem. 
where we mm. had a situation like this. It was the, the incident of Ujian which destroyed the, the Vulcan monastery on there. Which is another Vulcan fuck up of like yeah, even in this episode <laughs> even in this episode where they talk about it, where they just go like sort of like, Oh, the Andorians destroyed like, you know, destroyed like a, an intelligence facility. And the monastery that we're hiding it in. And you're like, are you not seeing the fault here? Yeah. Yeah. You had a they, hidden intelligence thing they, they that destroyed, you lied about to everyone. They, they destroyed our monastery. Got destroyed. They destroyed our monastery. But what about the huge satellite dish? Under... <laughs> they they destroyed not. the monastery. And it's, yeah, it's... it's that weird thing. It's like going, oh my God, I can't believe the police took my illegal things away. And it's but like, it's well, Shran... you know. But between that that episode in season one and this one in season two shan has evolved his way of thinking he's become more progressive mm. because of the events of Fujian, because of the interference of the enterprise crew and archer by hey you don't just have to go in guns blazing to get what you want there is other ways and means he sees that potential better yeah there. he he sees yeah. that it's not all bloodshed and, and violence. You can achieve it through dialogue, through peace. And you yeah. can see his frustration where it's like, the Vulcans want to open a dialogue. Great, we can avoid a war. But we know that they will take years and it will be tedious and it will be every single... They, they will be grammatical yeah. about it all. And I that will want create more tension yeah. on the Andorian side. He, he goes yeah. full Karen. Uh, or as we coined it before the year, he goes Karandorian and <laughs> demands a face-to-face -face with the Vulcan yeah. manager, which is like he's doing the Andorian way, the Karandorian way. Swallow. And uh, hey. swallow. He's on Daddy. Right. Wow, what a way to come in. But uh, he's like... That's what I said to Lee. But he's but... progressive, but he's in. He's, he does it in an Andorian way. And... Like we see with Tara and the other the other soldiers, they don't think like that because they have grown up with mm. with Vulcan oppression. Where yes, this planet was forcibly re you know people were forcibly removed and put into refugee camps and stuff like that. And it it's it, it's just it's brilliant because it shows like I think Star Trek sometimes will go oh the Klingons they are a warlike race the Romulans they are sneaky sneaky and then it's just like yeah. well no. You're, they're reduced you're, to a stereotype. You're stereotyping that race. There are progressive yeah. Klingons. There are progressive Romulans, which we see all the way through. And then it's just we like, even see it with the Ferengi in DS9. Yeah, you know, they're Rom, all progressive like Ferengi. Yeah. Uh, Mark had a funny question to ask. Come on, yeah, Mark. What was the funny question, Mark? Give One thing I was going to say um, yeah. about Tara, and it feeds into what you've literally just said, but it also parallels what we were talking about earlier about um, you know change isn't instant. No. Not everyone is going to embrace change immediately. Like we say with the humans, you've got to grow. And Shran's grown. But Tara hasn't had that opportunity to grow. So she's still sort of like very warlike, very antagonistic. Because it's like, say, it's all she's known. She hasn't had that opportunity. Mm. You can kind of like, so you can understand where she's coming from, but you can't justify it. But she hasn't had that opportunity to grow. It's, I was reminded of a quote, when, when we saw this, I was reminded of a quote, again, from the Undiscovered Country, from uh, Chancellor Gorkin, where he's talking to Kirk face-to-face -face in the transport room, and uh, he, he's, on, he's on about the better world, because the Federation and the Klingons were doing peace negotiations. And Gorkin goes to Kirk and he goes, if there is to be a better world, our, our kind will have the hardest time living in it. And it's sort of like, yeah, some people don't want peace because they will struggle to cope 
with that. And we have seen that in the real world where people have come back from war mm. and they have not been able to fully adjust to peacetime because it is literally all they have known. Yeah, so... I mean, to use another franchise as an example, because I, I saw all the extended editions last year, Frodo and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you yeah. look at the by the end of that, you look at how much it changes him. He cannot live in that world, and obviously, I haven't looked fully into it, but that is based on kind of Tolkien's own experiences during the wars that he was in. Well, that's it. It's it's it, Frodo has full PTSD. He's been yeah. stabbed by a Morgul blade. He, which you know, is a, probably a metaphor for things that he saw during wartime or Tolkien totally. saw during wartime. But it's this idea of going, you don't go back to normal. Like yeah. you never ever get back to what that space was, and that's and why it was... that's why he has to go into the West. He has yeah. to go like that. Life can never be what it was to me. I can't mm. be safe in the Shire anymore. Yeah, I have to just take this gamble. And go to the West and diminish, you know? And it is interesting to see Star Trek tackle that because I think sometimes, I, I mentioned earlier, Star Trek's utopian ideals. Sometimes it's a bit, it's too idealistic. It's a bit too perfect. It's a bit mm. too, oh, um, Picard would go to a planet. He'd negotiate. Everything's hunky-dory now. Oh, off we go. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you know, Cisco brings someone on Deep Space Nine. He negotiates a treaty. They bugger off. Everything's fine and hunky-dory. Da, da, da. Voyager... Janeway meddles with the timeline um, and breaks the prime <laughs> directive and has a drink of coffee. Janeway screws um, up an entire quadrant on her way home. <laughs> whilst we just have this technology, fuck it. Just as a quick thing, there, there is technical issues with the YouTube chat. I do apologise. Oh. It's not us. It is the you and the tube. I the won't badmouth YouTube because suddenly we get connection issues. Um, if I, I'm going I'm to blame Beth. If if you Beth, like, Beth Beth all of the chat problems it's all no it's it's Nova's fault that's what I'm saying like if you do have Nova's a question fault. send me a message directly I'll 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 read it out if anyone else does yeah. have questions uh just mm. send a message to uh the Discord um or just uh find me on Twitter or something like that a good one none and I will answer them live on the show for you mm. uh while we get around these technical issues yeah. what I but I mean this like I said it it is a solid episode. For a mid-season, very, I thought it was very good. For for a mid-season episode, it is solid. We get to see every character at least have some dialogue. Um, we get some really strong guest stars. We get the late great Gary Graham. We get Jeffrey Combs. Um, <laughs> we get Trip taking command, uh, and we we just see like the tension build up, and then just get to that point where nothing actually breaks, and it's just like yes, tension builds up but it doesn't overspill, you can de-escalate right up to the zero hour. You know, mm. you can avoid all that war within the last seconds. And I love... What I loved about the end of the episode um, is they are having the negotiations on Enterprise, again, a neutral thing, but I love that it's sort of... What is a compromise? A compromise is a solution that no one is happy about. And I love, I the, love, that I love the fact that just like, let's toast to uh, both of us being dissatisfied. <laughs> I this, really liked that. About this compromise. And it's just because I had to, when I first watched this, when I was like, many moons ago, when I was a, a wee little lad, um, I was like, what happened? I didn't get it. But hmm. then when you, re when you rewatch it, you're just like, 
yeah, it sort of shows that like negotiations don't always end to the benefit of one party or the other. It's like mm. it can be quite shitty. And it can yeah. be just like it's a compromise that no one's really happy about, but it mm -hmm. avoids an all out conflict. And mm -hmm. Saval even comes in where it's just like any negotiation that avoids an all out war is a result for, you know, it's beneficial for, for, yeah. for us. It's beneficial. And I, I just love the fact that Saval right in the end, he's just like, your medal, your meddling is not being. No, your, your presence has not been overly, overly meddlesome. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot give credit where it's due. And I love the fact that Shran goes, I, I think he likes you. <laughs> but, but this is why I say, like, we talk about Topol softening over the course of the thing. In this episode, we see Saval softening because he's a twat, as we've seen at the beginning of it. And yet he has stuff like the bit where they give him a gun and they go like, hey, you need to sort of do some fire to distract the like yeah. sniper and whatnot. And he's like, I haven't held a gun in like 50 years and stuff. <laughs> and they're like, We'll fucking do it anyway. Yeah. You know, this, this idea of just literally shaking him, shaking him out of his hubris, like, and the fact of putting him in this danger and putting him in this situation and putting him face to face with this Reality. enemy that he yeah. was like, oh, I totally know all Andorians are the same. And then by the end of the episode, he's like, this Andorian's a bit of an arrogant twat and incredibly bitter. I am also an arrogant <laughs> twat and incredibly bitter. I, 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 and this kind of them bonding over both being twats is quite wonderful. I, 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 I think I really what I like, what, what I like is that Saval as a character is used to never being swayed by anyone else. He is the one that does the swing. He is the one where everyone bends to his whim because that, mm, that's yeah. his role as a negotiator slash intelligence officer as he used to be, as he said. With archer especially he is the anomaly in his life because archer shows all the way through season one two three and four he can never ever be swayed by saval he can never like saval will say one thing and archer will just go no fuck off where like mm. we see it in the pilot episode where uh the, the klingon's being operated on by flocks and yeah. saval goes oh we will take his body back to Cronus," and he's like body is he dead and then, like Archer just walks in, he goes, "Is he dead? No, well, not no, well. He's 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 subatomic. No, no, no. Is he dead? No. So then he goes back to Saval. He's just like, he's not dead. I'm taking him. And it's yeah. sort of like that. It's it's he goes against Saval's grain. Mm. And then what gets Saval is when he meets Shran. Shran is exactly the same. And it sort of makes him realize that, like, oh, like you said, sometimes. He's a bit of a twat. I'm a bit of a twat. But Archer's <laughs> involvement sort of got stuff done because he thought of things that logic would prevent me from doing. And maybe mm. the human's emotion, you know, the, the, the emotions that they feel gives them an edge in certain situations like this mm. because they can see our side as cold-hearted, logical people and they can see the aggressive, I'm going to punch you in your ears type <laughs> from the Andorians. And it's the first, like you said, it's the first instance of Shran, very coldly but warming, to Captain Archer. Yeah, it, and mm. I, I just think I, I just think it's a wonderful episode for that. Like, I'm not going to say it's one of my favorite episodes of Enterprise. No. Like, I, I was more excited about it before I watched it, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, that was great. There's loads to talk about, but it's not really, you know, 
I, it wasn't like a landmark was... thing, but that's a testament to Enterprise mm. having a lot of very good episodes. Yeah. I was kind of surprised um, by the episode because when I saw the synopsis for it, I thought it was going to be quite a, you know, one of your prototypical te- Trek episodes where he gets some around the negotiating table and they're both hammering out the treaty and you see an end of a bit of tension and then someone's going to turn up and try and ruin it yeah. while they're mid-tension. By the end, it's going to be all resolved. But obviously a lot of this episode was actually about the journey, just getting them to the negotiating table. Yeah. Yes. Which I actually really liked that. Um, Just seeing that, you know, like say the, the gradual softening hit, him being thrown in situations he hasn't been in for 50 years and being forced to hold a gun and the eventual the only thing i will say is i, I was kind of not disappointed by the fact that tara was revealed to be the person who had shot them down and all that mm. it was sort of expected but it was a little bit like oh so it was her after all you know it was yeah just a bit... yeah it's a bit yeah, obvious it is... isn't it there was... isn't much mystery. It's it's that whole thing yeah. of going, oh, there's only five characters in this episode. Mm. I wonder who could be the killer. Yeah, you know, it's. I I was sort of hoping it, that it would have been the Vulcans using Andorian weapons. I was kind of leaning that way yeah. at one point. I was like, oh, the Vulcans actually they're using some sort of like their their twisted logic to you know try and stop these negotiations because they know it. They think it won't work, so it's better just to get rid and show. Yeah archer fail or something um yeah. i thought it was gonna be some sort of twisted logic there but but yeah. i think it's good that it's the andorians because like while we've been talking about it we as from what we've discussed we're very much on the side of the andorians yeah that the vulcans are at fault but effectively they're both at fault like, oh yeah both both of them and you know and so i think if you'd had it as the vulcans doing that it would weigh it way too heavily and yeah. it would make the situation a lot less gray if you were like mm. Vulcans are dickheads the andorians should have the planet you know yeah and yeah the, the whole point is basically going it demonstrates everything it demonstrates the idea of going getting to the negotiation table is he isn't the easy bit like yeah. and the idea of just like tara just straight up being like i don't want discussion I just I actually just want a war because I think that we can win a war whereas I don't think we can win with discussion because they'll yeah. just hold us up for decades. And yeah, yeah and you're, it's, you're absolutely it's right. It's kind of valid. It's yeah, honestly yeah. Tara's standpoint is actually kind of I can understand this from yeah. what they've been through but it shouldn't be the way. Like yeah. you know it shouldn't it's, be it's, the it's way. It's a battle. Absolutely right. Yeah. It's a battle but it's a battle to get to the table to avoid a battle. It's it's to avoid the bloodshed, and it's it's great because let's be honest, like that huge like where the two fleets are gonna meet, yeah. nothing happens, mm. and it's just like you don't go, oh, you go, oh, because yeah. it's yeah. just like that's Trek, isn't it? Yeah, it's that is Trek. Of, oh, we could have had a space battle. Oh, but we got diplomacy instead. Yeah, oh, but yeah. it's 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 so like Trip was so Picard in that moment where he's just mm. like. Well, if you're gonna fire at each other, you might as well take us out with it, and then you're gonna have yep. Starfleet to deal with if you start to do mm. that, and everyone's gonna be a little bit pissed it, off. Trip is so good, where it's basically oh, like brilliant. where he he says to the Vulcan, like you know, oh, if you shoot on them, we're gonna shoot on you, and then the Andorians are like, oh, thank you for seeing our side, and he's like, no, 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 I'm, gonna shoot <laughs> I'm not you on your well. side, you know. It's like the whole no, point is that I'm side. in the middle, you know. Yeah. I, I love the fact that like the little side, like <laughs> Reed, where he's just like. Phases are locked, and then he just looks. And he's just like, "I'm gonna blow you both up." <laughs> and it's just that look that he makes. He's just like, yeah, because <laughs> you know that thumb is just like. 
like, <laughs> Dominic just wants to blow things up. He I think shacks. The whole thing. He Most shacks of Enterprise where he's just like, eject the warp core! He's just like, but, well, one of the things that I had as a mild criticism is that surely Reed should have been way more involved in this episode. Like, you know, I know Topol goes down to the planet because they need a Vulcan that they can trust with them for the purposes of the negotiations. But every single time when there's been the possibility of security or someone not being safe or something, Reed is always the one being like, I have to be there. I have to check everything. Yeah. And it's weird in this episode where he's like, Nah, I'm not really in this one. I, yeah. I think he's sort of bad belly that day. Yeah, I, I, I think they were like, score. we can't write him in. We can't figure out how to have a third, oh, he's... fourth person there. I I played it off though as Archer would going for diplomacy over a show of force and defense, where he's yeah. just like he and again it's very Picard <laughs> yeah, where he'll go. I will... would shoot first. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> like I will go down unarmed. I will go yeah. down with a Vulcan. I will mm. go down. And show that I am serious about peace negotiations. Whereas Reed, yeah. as a security officer, would be like, we have to secure the perimeter. We have to have yeah. an armed team to cover the flank. We have to raise and shields and fire yeah. everything immediately. Yeah. And, and So it's like, almost like a show of faith by not having him there. A show yeah. of faith of the heart. Yes, I would. <laughs> this we, show is faith of the heart. We we did, as, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, many days ago, we did do a poll on this episode, Ceasefire from season two of Star Trek Enterprise. Dunana. Who had the best claim to the planet in Enterprise's episode Ceasefire? The options were the Vulcans, the Andorians, neither of them, or both of them. Now in a little twist, I'm gonna get Science Officer Sanoise to read out the Discord results first. This is quite good because we've had to ignore it because Nerdbot on the Nerdy Up North Discord just seems to vote for every option every time we put a poll up. And we thought that it was just being a funny bugger, but it seems to be built in. Clearly but, a Vulcan. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like <laughs> indecisive bot. Uh, I've had one of them before. Um, yeah. Uh, out of it, the, you know, who has the best claim to the planet in Ceasefire, the Vulcans, the Andorians, neither of them or both of them. Neither of them wins with uh, about yeah about sixty percent of the vote. So yes, this is really interesting. So we had um, a, a deluge of votes on the Nerdy Up North Twitter page. <laughs> a deluge. All, all six of the people voted. We <laughs> six is a magic number. A deluge. A deluge of six people coming out. <laughs> we did put it up really late though today. Usually we put them like a day ahead, but I, I didn't. I... It's, Get my ass and we, you've you've been working i've been rebuilding an entire house with my bare hands um incidentally the sex dungeon is complete the uh, with 66.7 percent of the vote neither of them had a rightful claim to the class d planet second the andorians had a legitimate claim to the mm -hmm. planet no one voted for the Vulcans. Yeah. <laughs> because they were just like, no, they're a bit dick. So technically it's the it's the same on the Discord poll, where it's yeah. basically the, you know, like the majority of votes is for neither of them, but the only other votes that weren't nerdbot was the Andorians. It, it was the and... same people voting. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think so. the magic. <laughs> but, but I, I, I don't know because I think it's different people we have on Twitter than yeah. Discord, but it it's is, still yeah. the idea of like 
It is very much this case, though, but I think neither of them... I think what we're seeing in the world at the minute is, like, no-win scenarios. Like, we have the whole, like, Israel and Palestine thing, where it's, like, going... You there is no side. You can't be on a side because effectively you have to end up being like, I guess neither of them or both of them need to have it, and both of them isn't working. So mm. you know, a and compromise. it becomes this thing where you have a yeah. discussion of going, the only way to do it is compromise. But they've been trying that for like 70 years now. Yep. And that's years. the whole thing. And and therefore you kind of end up walking away being like, I guess maybe neither of them. Like, you know, yeah. and just be like, let's just, I don't know, move the French in there. Our, our lovely, put our the lovely... French in there and then they can both holiday there. Give, no, give the planet to Arbus. Not the shit Canadians. So <laughs> No, well, then we can take France back. Why? Um... <laughs> vineyards. Vineyards, <laughs> damn it. No, it's got Euro Disney. Um, <laughs> I suppose we could pay. I love this idea. We've just in a, we've just we can pave over Euro Disney from France, moving them somewhere else, and just claiming right. France. I I propose we <laughs> just demolish Euro Disney and we just put a big ass B and M. I would be happy with that. Put the garden centre where it's a small world. <laughs> hey, I like Euro Disney. I Why? do like Euro Disney because it's a nice place in France. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, Kelly, <laughs> Kelly did uh, comment though on the poll. Our, our lovely friend Kelly, Colour with Wonder on Twitch, uh, who's also a lovely moderator on the Shuttle Pod Show. Fancy Kelly. YouTube and Discord. Uh, I mean, this is what she said. Quote: I mean, Shan did break the treaty, but on the flip side, did the Vulcans have proof of purchase? I mean, ownership. Like, who just rocks up to a planet and is like, I'm having that. Ta! <laughs> really good. Really good point, though. It is a really good point. So they, they just yeah, rocked they, up and just went, yeah, it's ours now. Like, that is why? the thing, I guess, with um, with Star Trek, is how are planets claimed? Yeah. I, I think what we see in other, like, series is basically it is just first come, first served. If there's yeah. no one there, then the Federation's like, cool, it's ours now, I guess. Them from like start something here. And that's what the Andorians do. So it's... I, but this is the whole point where it's the whole point of sometimes the past doesn't matter. You just look at the current situation and go, yeah. hey, you know, because I'd say the Andorians are the only ones with a right to it because the Vulcans didn't claim it when they had the chance. Yeah. And then they just came in afterwards and went, hey, this thing that you've spent time with, it's mine now. Uh, but the whole problem is that it's so messy and so much has happened that you can't just separate them out and be like yeah okay vulcans go away it's it's why diplomacy is so important and why mm. compromise is so important this is why euro disney needs to be demolished okay <laughs> oh hang on a minute guys hang on a minute oh i'm getting an incoming transmission incoming transmission oh what's <laughs> happening i hope it's Here's not where me i mom. haven't unfixed the pole <laughs> i really hope it's not me but... mum it's the Double Wheel of Episodes! Double Wheel! For those new to Trekking Up North, I'm sorry, but if you've <laughs> never seen us before... You've done well to survive this long. <laughs> congratulations. Um, have what's left of my martini. Um, the Double Wheel of Episodes has every episode of Star Trek in existence programmed into it. Every episode of Star Trek in existence. Thus Except far. for that one from DS9 where they play that stupid game. Oh, it's in there. Oh, it's, it's oh, in no. there. 
I think currently the original series is still removed. It's in a timeout at the minute because we've overdone it a bit lately. Uh, the movies have been removed and Discovery miraculously didn't show up at the gate on time, I'm afraid. But maybe it'll go in eventually. It will go in the future. <laughs> So, what we do, we spin the Dabba Wheel. All the episodes are displayed as the Dabba Wheel spins round with vicious ferocity. And then when <laughs> it lands on an episode, we all have to yell, Dabba! <laughs> and then either laugh, cry, or just sigh with anxiety. Well, I won't, be, I won't be here next week, so I'm happy. <laughs> you Jet. have to watch us talking about whatever crap it is. James, come on, yep. young, James. Young, young James, young, young James, my fellow smogite, or what, whatever <laughs> they call us down here, um, deranged, touched people. Um, what what do Geordies call people from Middlesbrough? Damaged people. Um, <laughs> what are you hoping for us to review next week? I want you to get a good one. Uh, is there any series you haven't done yet? I've just managed to cover all series at the moment. Just, but we could do a we could do with a lot more Enterprise, a lot more DS9, I think. Okay, I hope you get a decent DS9 one. Ooh. He's a union man. It's <laughs> a noise. Maybe 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 a uh, torture O'Brien episode or something like that. <laughs> wow. What you mean one with Keiko in? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> uh say one of the obvious good ones. Mm. So all That's of good. it. There's so many of them, yeah. though. Yeah. Okay. What are you hoping for, Sunoise? <laughs> Do you need to ask that question? If you say Sub Rosa, I'm going to. Right. <laughs> right. Actually, Code of Honor know what? or Sub Rosa? I, I, I tainted <laughs> my Google history this week, and I should have done incognito mode, but I'm a dumbass. I was going to get Sunoise a present. Oh, God. But it's not available for very good reason. I was going to get Sunoise. Beverly Crusher's candle holder from Subrosa. <laughs> yes. However, did you just Google candle slag? <laughs> no, because then my safe search was not disabled and I saw a <laughs> lot of things that have forever changed me. <laughs> what I was going to do, all I got was the 3D files. So if anyone has a free, uh, free 3D printer, and wants to print the candle holder from TNG Season 7 Episode Subrosa, please do that, and I will pay actual oh. Earth money for it. Because I, I think... just want to see... Uh, firstly, I want to see him hold it, but I want him in a Beverly Crusher wig. <laughs> a big curly ginger. Beverly one. Snatch. Oh, we could do it, actually. Oh, my God. I think Teresa's got a good one. Bonnie might have a great one. We, we could do it. The, it's probably for 3D printing people it'd probably be someone with an FDM printer because I've got yeah. a resin printer but it's more for fine detail and I think this might be too big for it I haven't Mark's, said that much Mark's just said, I've just sent a 3D printer that was sent to us by accident to, our, to your son <laughs> get your son to, get your son to print the candle random 3D printer get your son to print the candle don't, don't, don't give him any context right? don't say anything Right, just say, uh, would, would you mind awfully just printing this candle holder? Father, that looks well, suspiciously like the one from Sub Rosa. Do not question my authority. Why is it called candleslag.stl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, episode wise, episode wise, now James has got me thinking I would like a good O'Brien one, I think. 
Maybe oh. maybe we could do the one where O'Brien has to deal. It's really close to Bar Association, isn't it? I think it's season three. Um, the one where he he you know he has it implanted in his head that he's uh, been in prison and he oh, has a whole episode of being freaked out. Episode. It is such a good O'Brien episode. But yeah, anything with O'Brien in for DS9 would be great. Otherwise, more Enterprise. Uh, I'd love some of it. I'd love to be made to watch season three and four just so that maybe I change my mind about them. Uh, but at the heart of it, in my cold, dark heart, it's Sub Rosa or Code of Honor. Do you know what I want to see? <laughs> Do you know what you, you want to know? No one's asked. Is it going to be like, no? I want. I, no, we're not fixing the wheel. Um. <laughs> I want to see the episode of DS9 where Odor takes love tips from uh, Vic Fontaine. Yes. For Kira. I love that episode so much. <laughs> I really, really do. And I will, if that lands on that, I will be happy, but I will need to get a grey uniform because I don't have a grey uniform yet. Oh, no. That would be a great, great one. Yeah, I, cool. I literally bought this. Like, this is from America. I paid for express shipping to get this because I was like, <laughs> I don't have an Enterprise jumpsuit. Wrath <laughs> uh, of Khan bomber on its way. Um, I know I'm committed to oh, the yeah. bit. Don't sigh at me. Are we ready, Come everybody? Go for it. Remember yeah, when it lands. Are we all ready in the chapter? When it lands, dabble? everybody, you have to yell it and you have to type dabble. Okay, I'm loading up the wheel. Oh, I hate this. This gives ready. me so much anxiety. You're gonna get you're gonna get skin of evil from TNG series one. You shut your handsome mouth. That's the first episode I ever remember watching. You see, he's saying this. <laughs> he's saying this, everybody, because he's in Scotland, so he's very far away from me, so I can't <laughs> catch him. Are we ready? Three, yeah. two, one. Finally happened. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh yes. No. We better get that candle 3D printed then. Oh no! It's finally here, Goodwill. <laughs> you thought you could escape it, but fifty-two weeks. <laughs> also, is next is next week our one-year anniversary okay. as well? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay all right i am smelling conspiracy here because no next that's, week, that's in series one next oh, week yeah, it. next week <laughs> it will be one year exactly that trekking up north started it is our first birthday oh my word it is our first birthday i think that science officer Sonoys has pulled a few isolinear chips out of the computer. No, I genuinely haven't. I genuinely... This is you are lying! Natural. Okay, well, what we'll do... The episode is sub so we can't change this. My hands are here. I've not touched anything. Spin it again. You will not No, no, no. The rules are whatever it lands on. <laughs> it is. I love this. You don't I, want I, to spin it again. You might get something worse. Oh, God, imagine <gasps> if we got Code Bond out. We just go, oh, God. Oh, I did God. see it flash by. Did it actually appear in the list there? It did appear in the list. 
But I, I'm kind of annoyed that once we do this one, we can't joke about it anymore because it's off the it's you off the You know what? Books. Right. <laughs> Mark. Mark is sat in the chat and he is so <laughs> smug. He is so smug. Mark. Oh God. Get your ass on next week and talk about <laughs> yes, Sub Rosa. Go on, Mark. Get Mark, your ass on here. Rosa with us. And <laughs> talk Get your about Beverly this wig song. on. Get your ginger Beverly wig on. Join us next week. I had forgotten which episode Code of Honor was, and I just looked it up, and oh, yeah, it's that one. Yeah, it is. It's, oh, <laughs> it's the one where they're going, How do three white people talk about this episode? Well, and again, and a... again. And again, why are they Scottish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Very like much the like space up, Irish. Up the like, long ladder. <laughs> up the long ladder. Why are they Irish? Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. Oh my God. No. I'm so glad you got some rosy. What a world. Yes. Get your whiskey. Get your goddamn whiskey. Go, go to the Bruce Brothers. Okay. Go to Bruce Brothers and just say, I need your top shelf. And when they say why, just say Sub Rosa and just watch them. <laughs> collect everything from the top shelf okay we need what we need okay everyone who's on twitter we need us we need to get hashtag candle slag uh oh god we really do twitter that needs to be the <laughs> thing in the trek verse we need to get hashtag candle slag god <laughs> i'm really smelling conspiracy i am really smelling conspiracy here you know i love it he gave me star trek enterprise this week because he knew he knew he knew <laughs> Game on, I, count me in. <laughs> I, I, I will swear, I will swear on Lee's 14-inch penis, just so I can touch it, that I have not fixed any of this today. I'm Com just... Computer. That is why I'm so amused by the, the fact that this has happened. Computer, take this shit from my screen. Thank you. <laughs> uh, actually, oh. to be fair, right, to be fair. Candle slag, yes, Mark! Yes, candle slag. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I I love that this is. Tell you what, right? of this what I'm worried about. What I'm worried about is Gates McFadden, who is possibly the nicest person on the planet, <laughs> is going to be like, "Why am I in a tweet with hashtag Candleslap?" Ob obviously, <laughs> I'm not on next week, but in solidarity, I will watch the episode as well over yes, the course of next week. It. In solidarity with you two, because you were so lovely to invite me on here and give me a good episode to look at. Oh, I will in solidarity watch it next week everybody everybody who's listening everybody who's watching like I said next week is the first anniversary of Trekking Up North I am so so excited I to be honest as, as much as I'm crying and dying inside deep down I am really looking forward to reviewing Sub Rosa because come hell or high water no matter what <laughs> I will find a positive slant on that episode. If I could make the motion picture, if I could put a positive slant on the motion picture, I will make this positive. Beverly Crush's hair. There you go. Beverly Crush's hair. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the intro theme and next generation. Is, is anyone? Is there literally anyone near where I live with a 3D printer? Because I'm going to get a can of spray and I'm going to rustify it. And I'm gonna... <laughs> send, me, send me the files. I will have a go at printing it on my printer. 
We'll see. Oh, God, see what we a, can do with it. Do I have a stand for the Enterprise? My, my stand for the Enterprise D hasn't arrived yet. Oh, God damn it. This is all going peak tongue. At least I've got a uniform oh. to wear. Okay. Um, Everyone wow. in the chat, you know what to do. You need to watch the next generation episode of <laughs> Sabrosa. It is it, it's final series, isn't it? It's one of the seven. Last yeah, ones. I just looked it up. Yeah, series seven. Yeah. Gates McFadden was uh, when Gates McFadden got this script, she looked at it. She was just like, "This is a season seven episode." Uh, <laughs> I I think she must have been like, "So you know that the show's ending, and you're just trying to put these random ideas that you've had for a while, no. and just trying to do them, are you? Right, cool, okay, fine." You know, just it is such an obscure, silly episode. I won't say anything the, else. It's so dumb that it's hilarious. I like, will as say, if it's, yeah. I will say anything else apart from this. This episode, I did not watch until I was a teenager again because it scarred me for life when I was young. See, and that's not a joke. It's not even a joke. It's scarred. You've been able to light a candle since then, have you? <laughs> <laughs> no leave it dark mother <laughs> the strange candleman's gonna come over worse <laughs> also are you appreciating the perfect imitation of your voice I'm so <laughs> tired of this <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so tired <laughs> why <laughs> Oh. <laughs> okay. I think okay. there is a twinge. It's hitting me now, though. The idea of going, oh, we're gonna have to take Subrosa off the wheel now. <laughs> so it's this idea of going, oh, hey, I can't even joke about it anymore. Code of Honor's still there. Oh, James, it is Code no, of Honor. James, no, have no, you no, stood no, that no. weird episode where Wesley Crusher gets tried for like nearly putting the death uh, penalty or oh, something? Oh, for for trampling and all. No. Yeah. 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 Because that yet. one's awful as well. Just for the just for the budgie smugglers that we see on screen as well. That's so bad. There was um, something weird about Star Trek and its idea of future fashion. It was eighty seven. Everyone was weird. Look, I was conceived. So I was born in eighty seven. I, yeah. I was born in eighty seven. To be fair, yeah. This is weird. Anyway, um, I'm trying to rec- I'm trying to recruit Isaac. You want Isaac on as well? Why do you want to torture poor Isaac? Poor little man. <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to work out where I'm gonna get like a ginger wig from. I'll, I'll find one. Right. <laughs> guys. I think we should probably end this episode on here. That note. <laughs> guys. Thank you everyone who has tuned in. Please watch Sabrosa and join us next week for our one year anniversary of doing Tracking Up North, which is crazy. This is this has been our review of Ceasefire from Season 2 of Star Trek Enterprise. I am so happy I got to discuss Enterprise with these two lovely gentlemen. Um, pour my heart out. Uh, sing um and just generally have a wonderful time as i do every week on trekking up north if you like this and you are not a subscriber good one needs another martini out um if you are not a subscriber to the nerdy up north youtube channel what are you doing click that subscribe button hit that like button on the video and caress the bell like it's a candle holder caress it <laughs> so you see all the notifications for all the series that we have got because we have got a lot of series now we've got trekking up north monsters up north gaming up north the ramble cast gigs up north we've got this weird thing that happens on a sunday that i'm not really familiar <laughs> with i don't know what it is um we've also <laughs> got twitch streams um i will be back well no <laughs> nearly 
Oh, a mystery. I, I will not be back on Twitch on Tuesday. Oh. Truck will. Oh. Will be returning on Tuesday <laughs> for another installment of American Truck Simulator. Driving the big pink rig that is Lee's dick. Um, <laughs> i got to meet this lady one day. <laughs> you'll 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 see you him be before you hear him. That's what I'm saying. Hey. Um, so that'll be me on Tuesday at six thirty p.m. GMT, and I will be raiding this guy right here at the end of the stream because he does the Twitch. What are you doing this Tuesday, or do you not know? So yet? this Tuesday we've been playing 007 Everything or Nothing on stream yeah. for the GameCube. We've been yeah. slowly working our way through that. And then after we are completing that, we are going to be moving on to the Tomb Raider Remastered series. As that is out next week, I'm very excited about that. Tomb Raider is a series very close to my heart. Mm -hmm. uh, Tomb Raider 2 is one of my all-time favourites. <gasps> Everything James Amazing. does is in the descriptions below. So please go down the list and like and subscribe everything that you see because we've got <laughs> the friends from the Shuttlepod show who... They are just as unhinged as we are, and we have got unplanned <laughs> trek who are just as unhinged as we are, but they are Australian. And on a trek front, um, I will be covering some trek games this year on yes. the channel, including Star Trek Invasion on the PS1 yes. and Crossroads of Time on the Mega Drive. Oh, no one cares about that one. Star Trek Invasion! So, <laughs> do oh, I, I'm looking forward to trying this. So do look out for them. I am also planning doing a video on one of the apparently worst Star Trek games ever made, a Shattered Universe. Oh, no, 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 what are you up to? I will be Twitch streaming after this very show. Oh, God, why? 10 p.m. of your English times, I will be on Twitch streaming. We're going to be playing more Persona 5. I was trying to organise something more. I was trying to do something different, but... I want something casual, so <laughs> yeah, there we go. So you picked uh, Persona Five. Grinder profile. He, he wants a game with benefits, and he just picked up Persona Five that wants a house, three kids, a dog, and a picket fence. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, what is your Wait, definition is, of casual? <laughs> this is the problem where it's basically like I was musing today of I really want to play Chrono Cross again. That's one of my favorite RPGs. And I kind of want to start it, but I keep forgetting how long it is. And it's a game with a lot of dialogue, and I don't really want to be reading out tons of dialogue. Mm, you know? well, so we, none of us play Total War: Age of Britannia, you know, because we are not Greg Wallace. The uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Otherwise, um, we've got a girl podcast that just came out the other day. GURL. It's our LGBT plus uh, podcast where we have lots of lovely drag queen and lgbt friendly guests uh, and that's it and then we've got drag idol coming up next sunday in newcastle which should be exciting <laughs> i'm yep. doing nothing else but twitching i am planning los angeles for the shuttle pod live show in april and then i am planning star trek las vegas with this handsome geesian uh, is at the ah. other side of the screen uh, so I'm getting, I'm getting all that planned I am chasing press passes but damn near impossible um, so oh, big I, I do hope they give us press passes oh that'd be lovely well if not I'm sneaking in someone's suitcase so it's fine so <laughs> without any further ado I think it's time we close this and head back to the adequate so I can just cry in my bed 
What do you think? Live show, April, Los Angeles. Yes, Mark, I know, because I'm going there. <laughs> uh, I need to get a hotel booked, actually. I'm, I'm actually flying over, and I've got nowhere to stay except a car. Um, uh, yes, so that has been our review of Star Trek Enterprise Season 2, Episode 15, Cease Fire. We have been trekking up north until next week. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Treks and Trekkers, Stay safe out there, look after each other, live long and prosper, and as always, free miles. Mark? Hashtag candle slag. <laughs> <laughs>